warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 403. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. The only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hey, this is Hall of Famer Dominique Wilkins, and you listen to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And And we're the Leftovers. Yeah. Yes, sir, Bob. That wasn't our best sync. Oh, (laughs) look who's getting critical. Yeah, I blame myself. Let's get critical. Critical. (laughs) I'm gonna get critical. Jake's <laughs> fucking critical. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was, I don't, I, yeah. I don't, it was fine. It was fine. It was not mind blowing. I don't think the intro's supposed to be mind blowing. What are we, like, what are we expecting at the, at the beginning of these episodes anyway, Jake? Like magic? I, I, yeah, I expect like us to be in perfect sync and then all of a sudden like, peace around the world it's like a no it's like a fucking michael bay movie as soon as we say it at the same time explosion goes on behind us and we're walking in slow motion oh that sounds like and we're the leftovers (laughs) 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 fucking we're wind in our in in our faces and our hair oh yeah dude I, i have a hell of a strut too i'm ready for that moment i don't know Let's let's bring on our guest. This is fucking dumb. <laughs> we we got Joe from Startcast. Welcome back, Joe. Hey, I'm stoked to be here, dude. You're opening up with Olivia Newton John and walking away from explosions. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you should walk away from this explosion called this episode. Because <laughs> this one's a fucking bomb already, Joe. <laughs> oh, now look who's getting critical. How do they know in the movies? Uh, cut the red wire. Cut the red wire. Cut the blue wire. Cut the green wire. How do they know? Like, why don't they just fucking make all the wires the same goddamn color? When those when they're trying to disarm a bomb, you know what you know what I'm getting at, right? Cut the green. No, I'm not sure what the end game is here. No. <laughs> no, I'm talking about in movies, Jake. In movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In movies, there's a point in these movies sometimes, these action movies, where there's a bomb, and then they're talking to somebody over the phone, and they're like, of course, like, the bomb expert can't fucking be there, so they gotta talk to somebody over a fucking phone, and they gotta ask him, you know, what do I do now? They're like, oh, uh, cut the red wire. 
cut the red wire. How do, just, what if they're all, what if, why don't they just make all the wires red? Perfect, perf, perfect bomb. <laughs> perfect bomb. Most of these bombs are like made by the criminal in the first place. They're made by the criminal. <laughs> made by the criminal. Because going to Radio Shack and buying 12 different colors of wire. Yeah. They have to follow the schematic to the letter. I know. <laughs> I know. Why can't they just be like, okay, where the green wire would be. Fuck it. I'm going to do something completely out of the box. Make it red. <laughs> I'm going to make it red. Guess what? Oh, my God. I'll learn them. <laughs> this blue wire. Making it red. And then it's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, cut the red wire. They're all red. Then they start, and then they started doing that thing in movies where they're like, like, uh, they, they, they're looking at it with, uh, night vision or something. And they're like, they all look red or something. <laughs> yeah. They're kind of meta with it now. Like, it seems like they understand that that scene has happened a million times. Like, I, I've seen movies where it's, you know, it's like, well, in the movie, it's always the red wire. Yeah. Like, they'll have dumb lines like that. Yeah. Hey, we got another guest. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. Janine Daling. Hello. I'm the red wire. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> so we're going to cut you from cut. this episode. Yeah. I'm cut. All right. <laughs> and as soon as she was brought on, she was taken off the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> been fun. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I'm getting so worked up about fucking 1980s and 90s movie cliches, Jake. Yeah. I can't. I'm trying to think. Like when the last time I saw any kind of a bomb being disarmed like that is, yeah. uh, it's, it's been a while. It was probably an episode of Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was, uh, Janine, welcome. It's been a while. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm, I'm doing better. I am recovering from the past, um, I don't know, two, three years. <laughs> so we're doing better. Good. Good. Well, I'm happy to have you on. Hopefully we're going to have a, hopefully going to have a good time tonight. You know, everybody, everybody, Jake, everybody says it's fun. Every, and like, I don't believe them half the time, but they're like, yeah, I had fun. fun. I had fun. It's always fun. Huh? Huh, Jake? I don't think anyone would, would stick around for the long haul if it wasn't fun. Okay. We've seen people that it's not fun for, and they're not yeah. here by the end of the episode. That's, oh, that's <laughs> true. That's true. We've seen people either fall asleep or just drop off completely. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Jake, we're in the 400s now. Does that blow your mind? It does blow my mind. Yeah? A little bit? In the yeah, 400s? Almost 10 years. Yeah. Almost 10 years, I know. I know. It's crazy to think. Uh, episode 400 was fun. I love how 25% of that episode was um, listeners and guests convincing people that I'm a likable person. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? Like, I, I'm not saying the entire episode was that, but there was a good quarter of the episode where it's basically like people that know me that have met me are saying, yeah, trust us, Brian's a good guy. <laughs> so that's, that's a bad sign. It's <laughs> like the human equivalent of like sounds like well, you, you get, get through the first season of this show. Yeah, it's it really good. Right? I am the first season. I am the first season. Yeah, it, <laughs> it gets good. Trust us, it gets good. I am. I'm the yeah, human I'm equivalent. Uh, yeah, I'm the human equivalent of a first season. 
Yeah, just just call Brian Agents of Shield. <laughs> well, that took more than one season, apparently. I'm still waiting for that to happen. Anyway, <laughs> I, don't know. I was uh, I was yesterday. I was driving around, and uh, I happened to roll down my window, and uh, so I could you know I was hearing the sounds. I, I just want a little bit of fresh air in the car, so I rolled down the window, and there is like a teenage kid, and like. Not, he's not like, he's not like 18, 19. He, he's like in his, he's probably like 13, maybe 14, maybe 14. And he's at this busy intersection and he's got his bike there and his bike is on the, is, is just laid down in the, in this intersection. And I hear this kid yelling. I'm like, what the fuck is he saying? And he, <laughs> he is, he is yelling because Okay, he's he's apparently stuck at this intersection and he can't get out of there because there's so many cars. And he goes, and I hear him yelling, "Where are they all coming from?" <laughs> <laughs> he's pissed. I have never, I have never seen a child so angry. You know, you see kids have temper tantrums in the stores, but this was like a teenager, not in a store. This is just out in the wild, out in the wild teen with his, with his little bicycle. You know, one of these little stranger kids with their bicycles out there, you know, and he's got his bike and his bike is just on the, in the intersection. And he, and he's like, where are they all coming from? And he, and then I kid you not, he was, he crouched down in a squatting position with his legs out, uh, spread out from his body. So it's, and he's crouched down and then he does this move where he's got his hands extended downward and then he extends his middle fingers and then he raises them up into the air. And he gives everyone at that intersection the middle finger. It was incredible. He goes, where are they all coming from? And then he does the extension, the lift of the middle fingers, and he goes, what the fuck? <laughs> and I, I lost my shit. It was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. He brightened my day. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> It was like it was like looking in a mirror as like me as a child. It was insane. I loved it. I thought it was that kid's soul was like on its second or third turn on this earth, and he is fucking sick of it. <laughs> he's, he's yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> oh my the kids playing Cuphead. <laughs> oh no, just flipping the fuck out. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. So. It made my day. I, I kept thinking to myself and today, this happened yesterday and today I was thinking to myself, like, it'd be crazy if I drove down there, like, you know, a couple weeks later and all that's there's like, still there. this, no, like, the skeleton of this child. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like that commercial from WandaVision. <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 Oh man, you guys ever, you ever drink orange juice and, uh, uh, like right after you brush your teeth? You ever done that? Oh yeah. That's oh, yeah. legendary terrible. Yeah. They're making a toothpaste. Tropicana introduces a limited edition toothpaste. Did you hear about this? No. Yeah. No. Introducing a, li this is Tropicana toothpaste. If you're going to trust your teeth. To anyone, I hope it would be Tropicana, the orange juice people. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, they're making. They've made a limited edition. Um, Tropicana is resolving the unpalatable combination of OJ and toothpaste, introducing a limited edition toothpaste to combat the notoriously bad flavor combo. It dropped November first. I didn't get my hands on this stuff, but it's a uh, it's a, it's a, it's a toothpaste that uh, I think it's it's an orange juice flavored toothpaste, Tropicana flavored toothpaste. So basically, you could brush your teeth and then you can go straight to the OJ and it don't fucking matter. Mm, I'd have to try. I don't believe it. That's, that's, <laughs> Jake, that's Jake, Jake is Jake is skeptical. <laughs> He's like the orange juice people don't know what they're doing. <laughs> what do they know about what no. toothpaste is going to do? <laughs> Ways. Like they should contact the marketing team from Sunny D. This way they could be like, oh, mint, wintergreen, purple stuff. Oh, Sunny D, yeah, I'm going to brush my teeth with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, if you just got done with, like, your teeth care routine, do you really want to then bathe them in citric acid? Right. <laughs> your, your, orders, your order is off. That's like taking a shit after the shower. You don't do that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So the, the toothpaste yeah. is orange juice flavored, or it just makes it so orange juice doesn't taste bad when you drink it, or both. Uh let's like okay. It it says Tropicana toothpaste, and it it's like orange. The 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 things are. Uh, da, 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 da. When you bring together two individually great things, sometimes you get an even better combination. Blah, blah, blah. Tropicana is making mornings brighter with its new limited edition Tropicana toothpaste, which drops today, National Brush Day, and combats the unsavory taste of OJ and toothpaste. Well, not for sale. Comment. Oh, okay. It doesn't say. It does not say what it tastes like. None of this in the article says that. And I'm reading an article from Hype Beast. You know what? I'm reading an article from Food and Wine, and apparently it's the sodium laurel sulfate in both toothpaste that makes the taste bad. And so they're removing that from the toothpaste, which is what's going to make it not taste terrible if you drink orange juice right after. Like, it's not even just a thing. It's just they're removing one of the ingredients that makes it foamy. How important is orange juice to you? <laughs> apparently very important to these. Yeah, this is like, like whose life is this going to change? <laughs> how much money did they sink into r&d for this <laughs> like 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 the people at tropicana are they really worried about this like oh my god we're not people are not drinking our orange juice after they brush their teeth imagine i don't like what is the i don't understand it's just ridiculous yeah. I keep thinking of the Florida Natural boardroom where it's like the space race. They're like, fuck, they beat us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Does it taste like orange juice? I, From what you read, I, I think it does not taste like orange juice. It just makes it so you can drink the orange juice after. Yeah. That's my guess. Okay. What the fuck does it taste like? <laughs> it probably tastes like any other like toothpaste, toothpaste right? Yeah, yeah. Because huh. it sounds like that that chemical that that Janine brought up, you know, it must do something to the taste receptors on your tongue, to where it's mm -hmm. blocking out enough of them to where then when orange juice hits it, it just doesn't sing the way it's supposed to. So yeah, without but, that chemical there, the receptors on your tongue should be in functioning order, and orange juice should taste like orange juice, I guess. But if it's like wintergreen or mint or whatever the fuck, it's still gonna taste like that and orange juice. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, it's still gonna be awful. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
If I put, if I fucking eat half of a dog turd, it's still gonna taste like fucking <laughs> dog turd and orange juice. <laughs> okay. Alright, that was fun. Um, <laughs> new contest this week, everybody. Uh, this one's for the, yeah, a new movie, uh, called Ida Red. And, uh, the high octane thriller Ida Red, starring Josh Hartnett. Frank Grillo and Melissa Leo is now streaming on Redbox. Crime boss Ida Red Walker turns to her son to pull off one last heist to get out. Of, it's always one last heist, isn't it? <laughs> always one last heist. It's never like this, the penultimate heist or like the third to last heist or fourth to last heist. It's always the last heist. We never get those other heists. It's always, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the last heist. This is it. This is the big one. <laughs> I want to see some bumbling first heists. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All those people are in jail, Judy. yeah crime boss red walker turns to her son to pull off one last heist to get out of prison but with the fbi closing in her son must choose between family and freedom stream ida red instantly on Redbox on demand today rated r from paramount pictures and we'll be giving out five digital copies of I, Ida Red. I'm, you know what? I like both. Uh, I, I love Josh Hartnett and, uh, and, and Frank Grillo has been fantastic the last couple of years. Some of the, some of the movie choices he's made. I, what was that? Uh, Cop Shop. He was fantastic in that recently. And then what was that other Boss one? Level. He did that. What was that, J- Joe? Boss Level. Boss Level. Yeah. The Hulu Boss Level movie was fantastic. Um, but yeah, you can. actually related to Josh Hartnett. What? Yeah. Like a cousin. Like uh, half of her family's last name is Hartnett. Who's related? Wow. Michelle, my girlfriend. Oh, okay. I thought you said I, – I thought you meant Frank Grillo and now we're okay, – No, so, no. Okay. No, they're not related. They can keep kissing. All right. Let, let's get through this. Let's get through, <laughs> let's get through this contest. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in order to win a digital copy, I got five digital copies. Uh, I'm going to send out a Facebook post and a Twitter, uh, a tweet on Twitter. And uh, all you need to do is retweet or share the Facebook post. Send me proof. Take a screenshot. Send me proof uh, to comments at popcultureleftovers.com with the title Ida Red. And uh, next week, we'll go over the five winners who will win digital copies of this movie. And if you didn't win, you can stream this on Redbox On Demand. All right. Let's see here. Are you guys ready to jump into this week's Good Pop, Bad Pop? Hell yeah. Yep. Let's dive in. What if everybody was, like, totally adamantly against it? Like, seriously, like, what if, like, like, what if, like, what if, like, Joe was, like, in legit fear of Good Pop, Bad Pop this week? <laughs> like, like, seriously. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, like, with, with too much. Yeah, I know. Like, Joe was like, Brian, seriously, like, I've never asked this before. I've been here every week. We've done this good pop, bad pop shit. I got to put my foot down this week. Please, Brian, can we just bypass good pop, bad pop this week? Can we just jump straight <laughs> to news? I, I can't do it this week. Joe's treating it. Joe's treating it like, like people not wanting to go to sleep and be visited by Freddy in a nightmare on Elm Street movie. Joe's just like, <laughs> Joe's just like, no, not good pop, bad pop this week. No. <laughs> uh, 
Jake, do you think we'd have a talk after this episode? Uh, me and you, not Joe. We'd leave him out. But you think we'd be having a you think we'd be having a Joe talk after this one? No, I I know us too well. If that really happened, we would be roasting him live on the podcast. That's true, and we would probably go ahead with good pop, bad pop anyway. Yes, right. It'd probably be a double in the background. It would be. You're you're like that you're like that kid in the, you're like that kid in the sixth sense and you're just like you're just like in the fetal position. Oh my god, trembling, trembling. Oh my god, got my blankie pulled up to my chin right next to the microphone. God, you said blankie. because <laughs> yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> Joe scouted. Um, all right, guys, let's let's jump into the dreaded good pop, bad pop. Time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. All right, <laughs> little sound effect there. It's like, whoa, Michael Winslow step up. Oh, I know. <laughs> Uh, come on, come on! He's talented. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> I think he was being sarcastic. I know he was. <laughs> I know. Excuse me. I so I don't sound like the I don't sound like the Family Feud buzzer enough for you, Joe. <laughs> well, go, go over in the corner. It's good pop, bad pop time, you little puss. No! Uh, uh, oh my god. Um, all right, guys, uh, just in case this is your first time listening, we do have a rating system. Here you go. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I don't know why. Yeah, so probably in the other room going, "What the fuck is he shouting about?" I no, I think they're used. They're used to it. They're <laughs> Dad's making the buzzer noise yeah. again. Well, no, Dad's yelling again. There you. What just? What just step on now, idiot? Huh? <laughs> Huh? Why don't why don't you just move the box out of the hallway, you dumb fuck? You keep tripping over it every time you come in. Why don't you just move it? That's what my cats say. And they're right. They're right. And finally I it finally got to the point where I was just like, why is this box here? Why don't I just move it? I trip on it every fucking night when I come in. Why don't I just move it? All right, guys. I'm having a nervous breakdown. Um I'm kidding. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I think I, we all got eerily quiet. I know it was weird. I was like, I was waiting for like some kind of reaction, zero, and then there was nothing, and it was like, oh fuck. Hmm. Uh, let's see. I a uh, few things that I want to talk about that I didn't ask you guys to to watch or anything, but I did watch. Um, uh, I did go to the theater and I watched the uh, Rocky Four, Rocky versus Drago, the Ultimate Director's Cut, and uh, really been looking forward to this one. Uh, it dropped in the theater. It was a one night Fathom event uh, on November 11th on Thursday, and now you can I think you can just rent it. Uh, it's like five ninety nine uh, to rent if you want to rent it, or it's like fifteen bucks if you want to buy it. And this was uh, Stallone's director's cut of 
Rocky Four, and he basically talked about how um, during the pandemic they had to stop filming for a project he was involved in, and he was just like, "What am I going to do with my time?" He's like, "Let me present this to MGM and see if they'll, you know." Rocky Four was like the most financially successful Rocky film. I do have some extra footage. There's other things that I can put in here and I can, I can give it its own cut. And he wanted to make the movie a little bit more, uh, give it, give the movie a little bit more humanity. And, uh, he had some more Apollo Creed scenes and he, and he believed that this would give even more humanity to Drago, who he felt like was more of a robot in that movie. And, um, yeah, so I saw this. I, first off, um, really, I, I did enjoy it quite a bit, but I am going to say that I, I do prefer the theatrical. <laughs> so, um, I do feel like that, um, trying to, I didn't really get the humanity part from Draga, to be quite honest with you. I did, we did get a lot more Apollo Creed. We got some more scenes with Adrian and stuff like that. And I, it was interesting to see, but on the flip side, like, I like that robotic Drago. I like that. That's what I thought what worked about it. And I felt like there was a, a lot less Brigitte Nielsen in this movie for some reason. It was bizarre. A lot less Brigitte Nielsen. Did anybody else get a chance to rent this or anything? I have not yet. Okay. No, not yet. It's definitely if, – I mean if you're a Rocky fan, diehard Rocky fan, it's definitely something you're not going to want to miss. Um, when I got to the theater, like – and this was live, like, uh, Ben Mankiewicz from TCM was interviewing, you know, uh, Stallone before the movie started and it was live from Philadelphia and, you know, they're talking about this cut and everything. And, uh, it was cool. It was a cool experience. I do prefer the theatrical though. I really do prefer the theatrical. I want to watch the theatrical version, like again, just fresh on the mind so I can compare it with this one. But I... Something about the theatrical just worked a little bit better for me. I think like he left some stuff out that I think worked a lot better. The robot is completely gone from this cut. Um, oh wow! Yeah, he was like that. He's like I I wanted to get rid of the robot. Got rid of the robot. Some of the humor was left out of it with the robot, but there are still some funny Polly moments. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. I'm going to give the, the fight itself has always been a Tupperware and it still is fucking amazing. It didn't take away from the fight. It didn't take away from like my audience, uh, my audience excitement. But if I have to rate this against the theatrical cut, I'm going to give this one a, a high taste it where the theatrical cuts a Tupperware for me. So yeah, that's, uh, Rocky for Rocky versus Drago, the ultimate director's cut. And you can rent it or buy it now on, on Apple or Vudu or wherever the fuck. Um, and then Jake, I got the, I was really dying to watch after the movies that made us, I watched the aliens episode and I was really dying to watch aliens. And I was like, okay, where's it streaming? Of course it's not streaming anywhere. So I'm like, fuck. Uh, and then over, you know, like, you know, with it being November and black Friday and all the sales and shit. Amazon had, uh, the six movie collection, which is, you know, Alien, Aliens, uh, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, Prometheus and Covenant all on a, it's like a, it's like a six disc collector set and you could get it for $24.99. I was like, fuck, I gotta get it. Ooh. Now, when I got it, I, you know, it, it came with, you know, uh, the, the aliens, which I wanted to watch 
came with not only the theatrical version, but it also came with a 1990 special edition. Have you ever seen the special edition? I have. No. Mm -mm. I don't know if I'd ever seen it before, to be quite honest with you. And if I did, I did not remember it. It's cool. Uh... It was dubbed the special edition. It is actually a director's cut. And this is the James Cameron preferred edition of Aliens. It gives you about 17 extra minutes. And uh, some of the notable things in the 1990 special edition is there's a scene where, you know, like when Ripley is brought out of like her, you know, cryostasis after she's been, you know, after the events of Alien – and um the they they find her ship it's 57 years later and there's a scene where they tell her that you know she's been in like this cryostasis for 57 years and she asks about her daughter and they're like uh she just passed away like 2 years ago she was like in her 60s and it's like oh my god like what the fuck which like in all honesty, makes Aliens that much, which makes Alien 3 that much more bullshit in my opinion because it's like she forms like this mother-daughter relationship with Newt throughout this entire movie and then like Alien 3, new director, let's kill off the fucking kid, you know? So, um, and I understand why they did it because, you know, the girl got older. I mean, it's the difference between filming a movie in 1986 and 1993. I say recast. But anyway, honestly, then I think that I actually have seen it because like I thought that was like a fever dream that I had that they had told her about her daughter dying because I remember rewatching that movie recently or telling Rebecca about it. And I was like, yeah, there's that scene where they tell her about her daughter. And then I when I watched it um, streaming like that scene wasn't in it. And I'm I'm like, maybe I made that up in my head like. But to know that that exists, like, okay, like maybe I have seen it. You have somewhere. seen it. Yeah. It's like there's times for me where I'd be watching TV and I get the cut of Superman, the Donner cut. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like this, I don't remember. I don't remember these scenes. This is cool. And then, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. Same thing with, you know, uh, you know, Jim Cameron also did, uh, uh, the Abyss, there's a director's cut of that, which has a completely different ending, which is an awesome ending if you've never seen it. I've yeah. not seen that. Really? It, yeah. it explains why the aliens are there, Jake. It is fucking – the first time I saw it was on Sci-Fi Network, and I'm talking – I saw it as a teenager. This is before like fucking like DVD extras and all this bullshit. Like I had to be home to watch this on Sci-Fi, and it was like the director's cut of James Cameron's The Abyss. And at the end, there's all these people like on a beach and shit, all the oceans across the world. The aliens are control. they're in the water. They're controlling the water, and these huge waves come up, Jake. And these huge waves come up and they're going to just going to destroy every major city that's near water. Um, and then the waves stop. And then inside the waves, you can see like basically like they've put like images on the waves that people can look. It's kind of like if you, if you were to watch like a, a drive in theater on, on, on water. 
and they put images of us humans like fucking go, going to war and hurting each other and 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 all the all the bad stuff that people do uh, all the conflict that we have on the planet and it was basically the aliens way of saying like you need to you need as a as a as a world you need to come together in harmony and stop harming each other stop going to war or the next time we come back the waves are going to come crashing down and we're going to flood everybody and, we're, and we'll start everything over from scratch with, with humanity. It's a really wow. cool fucking ending. It's a, yeah, I love that movie. I, I need to see this. I didn't even know such a thing existed. I, I'm trying to look it up and even the original isn't even available to buy or rent on any streaming services. Huh. Oh, wow. I bet yeah, it's I really buying popular a special movie. edition of the DVD years and years ago. It had that on there. It's just spectacular. Mm-hmm. So you have seen it, Joe? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I, I own it on DVD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Um, also, in the 1990 special edition for Aliens, uh, there is a scene with uh, Newt, her brother, and her parents. And it's her parents when they they find like an old alien ship. the The dad goes inside and gets attacked by a face hugger. And, um, and basically, you know, from there you're, you're led to believe that it killed the mom and the, and the brother and Newt's the only one left. So it's like, you know, the first time I, you know, like if you're watching aliens, the first time you meet Newt is like later on in the movie, this basically shows like her family and shit. So yeah, it's 17 extra minutes and it's really fucking cool. And it's not on the digital so you can only get the special edition. It, it, it is on the digital. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see it there. If you if you get it, it doesn't say it's there, but when you click it to watch, because I just I just did recently, it it offers you to watch either or. Oh, okay. Because I clicked on it and I didn't see it. I, I guess I just didn't look that hard. Yeah, um, and I think both those scenes really enhanced the movie. I, I mean, the the Ripley scene really, you know gives a lot of character to her and, and makes you understand more why she's so connected to Newt. Yeah. And, and yeah. the Newt scene with her family really like shows you where she's coming from and like why she has so much anxiety and fear. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I mean, on the flip side, it's like once you get to alien three and you got a new director wanting to do all this new stuff, it's just like, it's more pain and, and loss piled on the, onto her character, which you know, I, I always had a problem with that, that, that fucking, you know, Hicks was dead and Newt was dead by the time we got the Alien 3. I hated that. I thought that that was a yeah. horrible choice. Yeah, I always hated that. It was like an unnecessary reboot, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, last thing before I, we jump into some stuff that we all, we all watched together. I went to St. Louis and I, I watched, uh, uh, Clerk, the Kevin Smith documentary and, um, directed by Malcolm Ingram. And, uh, and then Kevin came out and did a Q and A afterwards. And, uh, I'm just going to give it a Tupperware. It's fantastic. And it was so good that like, I'd say like 30, 45 minutes into it, I forgot that Kevin was going to come out. <laughs> I like, I'm just like into oh, wow. the, yeah, I was just so into the movie that I forgot Kevin was going to come out. And I mean, just, just, you know, 
lots of footage of him when he's younger, interviews with his wife, interviews with his daughter, you know, um, you know, Brian Johnson and, and Walt Flanagan. And they, they talk about his success from clerks. They talk about, you know, how some of his missteps and things like that. But as far as like, you know, Mallrats not being the movie that they wanted it to be, how they didn't, that it didn't perform the way that they wanted it to perform. And now like everybody looks at Mallrats as kind of like, you know, like, like, um, you know, like it's like a cult movie now. People love that mall rats for the most part. If you're a Kevin Smith fan, um, they talked about the success of chasing Amy interviews, with fucking Ben Affleck and Matt Damon in this one, which was awesome. Um, Sweet. and, uh, it's, it was fantastic. Kevin came out and, uh, he talked, he was supposed to end at 11 and he talked on stage till 1230 and, um, wanted to answer every question and basically they had to kick everybody out. He even at the end, like in the parking lot was talking to people. I walked by, there was a part of me that like wanted to stay and and say hi and thank him. But like, I was just thinking to myself, like how many fucking, I just, this guy is just given so much to so many people and he's sticking around in the parking lot and taking selfies and talking with people and giving them their moment. But I'm just like, I would just be one more fucking person piling on when this guy probably just wants to go home (laughs) or like go to the hotel or whatever. And it was like, yeah, I could have had a, I could have met him and told him how much he meant to me, but I'm just a, I'm just a face of a person he's never going to remember. So I was just like, I, I, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. I'm going to let this guy enjoy his fucking night. So, um, it's a Tupperware. I highly recommend it. It's really fucking good when it, if you can't make it to like the road show, then once it is released and you can watch this like on, you know, pay-per-view or Amazon or wherever it's on at, uh, I would highly recommend it. It's called clerk, the Kevin Smith documentary, Malcolm Ingram, the director was there for like 20 minutes. And I don't know if he had a panic attack, but he left and and Kevin got a (laughs) Kevin got a text saying, um, I left. And so I don't know. Uh, Malcolm left. Yeah, it's available everywhere on the 23rd of this month. There you go. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Okay, guys, let's jump into uh, Swagger on Apple TV+. Plus. This is a, a new series that dropped on Apple TV+, Plus, inspired by NBA superstar Kevin Durant's experiences. Swagger explores the world of youth basketball and the players, their families, and coaches who walk the fine line between dreams and ambition and opportunism and corruption. Off the court, the show reveals what it's like to grow up in America. It's got a cast of O'Shea Jackson Jr. as uh, Ike, the coach of of this team swagger, and um, Isaiah Hill as Jace. And... It, let me explain this. Basically, it's... it. These are These are like... Eighth graders. These are eighth graders. They're 14 and like it's unreal how early they start scouting these young players. And, and there are, there are corporations that go after them, try to, um, you know, fund these basketball teams, give them, you know, team jerseys, gear. Uh, but there's also, there's, you worry about, uh, the wrong people getting around these kids. You worry, um, 
and if you're crazy if you don't think this shit happens where where there's they're scouting these young players and i'm talking like from seventh eighth grade it's fucking insane i remember like lebron james fucking i remember reading about him when he was a sophomore in high school and by the time he's a senior in high school they're televising his high school games on espn wow so and there's and and now it's like gotten to the point where they're looking at players that are like in seventh eighth grade, even younger. It's it's it, even younger than that, to be quite honest with you. But um, so and this also is, I think it's like from the same producers from Friday Night Lights, which is a show I loved, um, and I watched every season of that. And so this this is basically like the the basketball version of Friday Night Lights. Um, but I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, five episodes are out, and I just watched the fifth episode before we recorded. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I absolutely love this show. I don't think this is one that you can just watch maybe one or two episodes. Like this is a long form drama, and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper into kind of like um, the corruption and there's good people, there's bad people that are there, you know, the vultures that are going to be swarming some of these young players. And um, I'm, I'm loving this. It is an absolute, this show is like made for me. Um, and I don't think you have to be like a, like a sports fan to get into this. Cause there's so much drama involved. Joe, did you watch any of swagger? Yeah, I got the first episode watched. Um, I thought it was a high taste. It, um, the performances in it were really, really good. Um, you know, I, I knew that, that some of these kids start off pretty early with the prospects. I knew that about, um, about, uh, oh gosh, now I'm blanking on his name. The, the player you just mentioned. LeBron James. <laughs> LeBron James. Yeah. The, the, the best player playing basketball right now. Well, he's, that, that's, he's, that's something, you know, he is injured right now. So he's not actually playing right now. He should be coming back <laughs> shortly, but go ahead. The Space Jam 2 guy. There you go. <laughs> if you call Michael Jordan the Space Jam guy, I am fucking – I'm hanging up. LeBron James the Space Jam 2 No, I'm saying if anyone calls Michael Jordan the Space Jam guy, I'm fucking – I'm hanging up on you. <laughs> go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, like following sports and stuff is has never been, you know, like one of, one of my hobbies or anything. But um, – but th- this show is really, really engrossing. Um, yeah, it's pretty exciting that there's five episodes out already. This is one that I'm probably going to end up getting back to because I did like what I saw in the first episode. The Like I was saying before, the performances in this were really, really great, um, especially that um, – um, uh, what, what's the dude's first name? O'Shea? O'Shea Jackson. Yes. That's an ice okay, cube yeah. sign. Yeah, and, and for like the first 10 minutes of this, I'm looking, I'm like, this guy looks a lot like Ice Cube. And then I looked it up, I'm like, oh, duh. <laughs> he plays Ice Cube in uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect casting then. Joe, wow. Yeah, I hadn't actually seen that. Um, yeah. But yeah, this Swagger was great, man. The first episode was really, really good. Um, I'm very worried about about this kid and, and how his future is going to go. And you know, especially with everything you said, with like, you know, all the different vultures that are out there, we get to see in the first episode a little bit of the, a glimpse of the the politics between the coaches, you know, in, in in the association, and how it looks like they try and you know maybe 
go and swoop in and, and kind of like headhunt other, you know, prospects from, from other teams and stuff. So I, I can imagine there's going to be a lot of drama in this uh, going forward. Yeah. I, I also, like, as far as the first episode's concerned, it's a high taste. It. It's, it's once you get deeper into this show that I think it just elevates itself. And, um, I, I think, it, oh God, I'm hooked. Like, this is like my, you know, Friday, Saturday, like this is what I'm going to be watching. <laughs> it's just perfect for you, dude. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think it's great. Like, cause I love Friday Night Lights and I'm not like a football guy. I don't, I don't watch football, but I love football movies, you know? Uh, but, but I love basketball. I love basketball. I still watch basketball. And this is like, you know, if you've watched the documentary Hoop Dreams, which is a fantastic documentary. If you haven't seen it, seek it out, please. Watch Hoop Dreams. I know it's long, but my God, they, they follow, uh, two different players over their high school years and it's like they're, they're trying to make it to the NBA and it's, it's, it's a wild documentary. It's fantastic. But, uh, um, Janine, what did you watch any of Swagger? I did. I watched the first two episodes. And what did um, you think? Yeah, I agree that like the first episode is like a high taste it and I'm not like a big sports person. So at first, I don't think I was going to go for any more episodes, but I figured, oh, let me watch one more. By the end of the second episode, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm really hooked on this because it's out. I thought it was really just about the sports. And but it's so much more of like everything that's happening behind the scenes and all these little like subplots and side characters like the one that really caught me was like Jace's friend, Crystal. Yeah. And how she's recovering from the injury. And then the coach. Yes. I'm getting like real creepy vibes yes. from him. Well, the and coach, like, oh. let me get into this. The coach on she, Crystal, she's one of the top female basketball players in her age bracket in this, you know, um, area. And her coach is a, is, is coming off as a sexual predator. Mm-hmm. And, um, that they really start to get into her story a little bit more by the time you get to episode four and five. There's also another player on the team and he's got bruises on his body. So there's a, some, yeah. I was really interested because his backstory too, like his mom's in prison. Yeah. His dad. You're not sure about the dad. The dad may be abusive. Yeah. Seems like he might be. Um, so yeah, there's just lots of layers of things that were hinted. And I was really excited. This isn't a show that I would have picked if you hadn't, uh, mentioned that you were going to talk about it. But after the second episode, like this is a Tupperware, I'm definitely go back and watch the rest of the episodes that, <laughs> that are available. That is awesome. Yeah. There's, uh, by the time you get to, I think it's episode three, he's going up against one of the other, like top young players in his age bracket. This yeah, kid, this kid. That's how episode two leads off is the number one pick. Yes. Is that kid from Puerto Rico, I think. Yes. And, and, um, and his name's yeah, Nick Mendez. And he's, yeah, Nick Mendez. And he's the top player. He's, and, and he's, he's like, Jace was the top player who's playing for Team Swagger. Mm-hmm. And then after a bad game, then Nick, Nick Mendez is elevated up. And, and so like, you've got, you've got fucking, like, you've got kids that are fucking, uh, being recorded by adults on their phones and, and they're, and they're trying to get like NBA players to like, you know, retweet them or like post about them on Instagram. It's very competitive. You've got, yeah. uh, you've got adults. 
uh, trying to get into these young kids' heads. There's a game where Jace is playing and the opposing team, one of the head coaches, Mm -hmm. is, is yelling, overrated. And like, these are 14 year old kids trying to play basketball. It's a basketball game and it, it's kind of sickening, but like this is the kind of shit that really happens. And, and, but he goes up against Nick, Nick Mendez. This, this, this kid has his own issues that are going on. And I love how fucking, um, you know, Friday Night Lights did their show and how they would introduce top recruits from other teams. And this is doing the exact same thing. This is, it's fantastic. Jake, uh, did you watch any of Swagger? Yeah, I watched the first two episodes. Um, I adored this show. This is an absolute Tupperware for me. I just kind of had to put a pin in it and come back later to it. But yeah, I, this is, I'm right there with Janine. I would not have given this show even a look if it had not been for this episode and you suggesting to watch it. And, yeah, I just really, really loved it. I thought um, O'Shea Jackson Jr. just oozed charisma in both the first two episodes. And the, and the chemistry between him and Isaiah Hill, who plays Jace, was just so good. Like, just the, the journey they go through in that first episode. Like, I I really fell into the drama. And, and I agree. Like, it's just so crazy that these are 14-year-old kids. And the show does such a good job of, like, putting the weight on your shoulders of what these kids are feeling. I mean, they, you know, they take that loss and they try to tell them it's just a game. And as a, as a viewer, it's like, no, it's more than just a game. I mean, this is like their entire livelihood potentially like all riding on, on how they show right here and now. And yeah. I, I just can't imagine that much pressure. It, it, it really got to me. I, I was surprised at how emotional just the first two episodes of this show made me feel. And I mean, yeah, that fucking overrated kid. If someone else didn't fucking punch him, I, I wanted to. You know? Yeah. How could you do that? Oh, that was so satisfying when he punched him. So oh, great. Oh, my God. And also, um, I, I want to mention, I, I thought the basketball itself was filmed in such a unique way that I, I don't think I've ever really seen in a movie or television show. It was like it was very low to the ground and almost handheld and had lots of 360 effects, but it was never dizzying or confusing and you could easily follow the action. I, I was really impressed with how they filmed the actual game and they were able to like make it different than, you know, the a hundred other basketball movies and TV we've seen before. I, I thought they really went out of their way to do something special with just the filming of the basketball scenes. Yeah. So. Uh, this was really great. I, I can't wait to watch more episodes of this. I actually thought all ten were out. I didn't. I didn't scroll through and look. So I, I'm kind of excited that I can get caught up to a week to week on this. Well, think about this, and you know, if you watched Friday Night Lights, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, if this show goes on for you know five six five six seasons, we're going to see Jace grow up and we're going to get to see his journey. We're going to get to see what happens. Does it, does he get to, mm-hmm. you know, is he going to get injured? Will he, will he make it to a college team? Will NBA scouts become into games? I mean, we're going to see all this stuff and not only that, but we're going to see like younger players come in and, uh, you know, just like in Friday night lights, by the time I think we get to season four or five, you know, Michael B. Jordan, you know, is, is on the show. And we've got younger players. So Riggins is, you know, Riggins is still around, but he's not playing on the team anymore in Friday Night Lights. And, you know, so, so we're going to get the, Smash is gone. So we're going to see like, we're going to see like other 
other players come into future seasons. I'm so excited for this show. I hope that this show, like, can make it to seasons two, three, four. I, I'd be down for six seasons of this show. Easy. Cause I loved Friday Night Lights. And I was actually, Neil, Neil Tholander actually like messaged me a few weeks ago and he's like, dude, I'm watching Friday Night Lights. And I'm like, oh, and he's, and he loves it. He loves it. He loves it. Neil, I know you don't listen to PCL anymore, but man, you should be, <laughs> you should be, you should be watch, you should be watching Swagger, man. This is an absolute Tupperware. Joe, stick with this, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Stick with this one. Yeah, I, I thought the first episode was a Tupperware, honestly. I know you guys kind of high tasted it, but man, it just did so much in an hour. Like, and just, it was an emotional roller coaster. I, the, the scene when he was taken out the trash and had to deal with the policeman. Oh, I mean, yeah. that, that really just got me all shook up. I, yeah. I haven't felt that emotional in an hour of TV in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. And his mom, there's times where like Jace's mom, you look at her like in that scene, like, you know, she's awesome. She's very protective, but there's other times where it's like, I know she's got his best interests, but I mean, I think she needs to listen a little bit more to like what Jace wants as well. Mm -hmm. So I agree with that. I think the show did a great job of portraying how hard her position is. She's got so many birds in her ears that you can just imagine that that it's hard to figure out the right path. Yeah. For every like talented basketball young phenom that there is barely, I'm telling you, it's very minuscule how many of them actually make it to the NBA. And if you want to watch, yeah, watch Hoop Dreams, the documentary. I think it's it's probably on HBO Max. Uh, another one to watch is the documentary. I think it's called Lenny Cook. And, or it's, yeah, I think it's called Lenny Cook. It's from the Safdie brothers. It's a documentary. It's about Lenny Cook, the basketball player, and how he wanted to make it to the NBA. He was promised that he was going to be picked in the first round. And then he sees himself fall out of the first round and then sees him fall out of the second round and he loses his college eligibility, which is bullshit. They've changed that now, I believe, but like you used to lose your college eligibility and you couldn't go to college. Um, and play for, you know, yeah, couldn't play college ball, uh, if you entered the, entered the NBA draft. (sighs) And, uh, yeah, you, it goes through and it shows Lenny Cook now in his thirties and shit. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Swagger. Absolutely. I loved it. It's on Apple. Uh, another reason to get Apple. Uh, let's talk about Red Notice. Uh, this dropped on Netflix in the, (laughs) in the world of international crime. An Interpol agent attempts to hunt down and capture the world's most wanted art thief. Uh, the film stars Dwayne Johnson as an FBI agent who reluctantly teams up with a renowned art thief played by Ryan Reynolds in order to catch an up and coming criminal played by Gal Gadot. Uh, it's written and directed by Rawson Marshall Thurber. And uh, this film marks the third collaboration between Thurber and Dwayne Johnson following Central Intelligence and Skyscraper. So, yeah, uh, we've got a movie here where the you've got Ryan Reynolds and uh, Gal Gadot trying to get these three bejeweled eggs that were gifted to, from Mark Antony to Cleopatra thousands of years ago. And they're trying to collect these three eggs and give them as a wedding gift to like, what is it? Some kind of like oil chic. What? Like, I don't even know. Something yeah, like just that. Some, 
Yeah, some rich baron some in rich, uh, Dubai or something. Yeah, some really rich guy. He's going to give a fuck ton of money. And uh, it's just an action comedy on Netflix. Oh. I will... I don't know. I'll give it a, I'll give it a taste that it. it was, it was, it's, it's fun. It's, it's popcorn, but it's, I'm, it's nothing. I, I'm glad I didn't have to pay to see this in the movie theater. Um, it's like, the movie's like, Hey, do you like Ocean's Eleven? Do you like Indiana Jones? Do you like that Catherine Zeta Jones movie where she's dodging lasers? <laughs> So, yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's a lot of different things. And it's Ryan Reynolds at his snarkiest, which it's, I don't, how much Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds can you really take in a movie sometimes? <laughs> like sometimes it gets, some, found out. <laughs> sometimes it's a little bit too much Ryan Reynolds, right? They're just like, I think it's just it's like they, they got together and they're just like, we're going to have you go full Ryan Reynolds on this one. Full snark, full snark. And, uh, it's just one liner after one liner after one liner and it works sometimes. And, but, uh, I, and, uh, Gal Gadot was okay, and and even you know Dwayne Johnson wasn't as charming as he usually is in movies. I think it was just like they let Ryan Reynolds sh- do his thing, and I, I really felt like Gal Gadot and Dwayne Johnson did not shine in this movie, and they let Ryan Reynolds shine too fucking much. So uh, I'll give it a taste. That it was fun to watch. Uh, definitely setting up sequels, but, uh, you know, not saying that I'm chomping at the bit for Red Notice. <laughs> uh, what was it called? Red, Red, yeah, Red Notice 2. Yeah, Red Notice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not chomping at the bit for Red Notice 2. I thought, I thought Red Notice was like that, that first day that a woman got on her period. I didn't know. <laughs> I, had, I had no idea that it was like the FBI's most wanted when you go on the Red Notice. Um, Janine, what did you think about Red Notice? <laughs> Um, I'm going to agree. It's a taste it. Like it's, it's basically Deadpool in a Fast and Furious movie with like Ocean's Eleven level of yeah. yes. way too much security. And then I like the self-aware moments like towards the end when they're looking for the third egg and he's like, oh, it's probably in the box labeled MacGuffin. And I'm like, okay, very <laughs> clearly, very self-aware. I get it. But by the end, there's some good twists. I will say there's twists that I did not see coming. Um, so I enjoyed that aspect of it, but at the end, it's very much like, oh, and now here's the sequel setup. It's a very by the numbers, by the book. It's fun, but it's like, you know, if you're if you're kind of watching it, but you're also scrolling through TikTok, like you're not going to miss any major plot points. Yeah, yeah, um, Jake. Yeah, I thought this movie was shockingly bad. I'm going to toss this movie. I- <laughs> I fucking hated it. I I don't know what it was about it. It was like it like had an identity crisis in my opinion. Like it it, it couldn't tell if it wanted to be like a campy funny comedy or like like Janine said like a Fast and the Furious type action comedy. But the biggest fail was that it didn't even feel like a comedy. I, I laughed a total of one time this entire movie, and it was at the MacGuffin line that that Janine brought up. I thought that was a funny line. I agree with Brian. I, I feel like they um let Ryan Reynolds just ad lib way too much in this movie. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't 
someone with a good comedic sense around to know what the funny things were Ryan Reynolds were saying. Like, I imagine there's funnier stuff on the cutting room floor for this movie than what they, like, ultimately decided to put in the movie. I I, I couldn't believe how much I disliked this movie. I All three of these people are so good. I was excited when I saw the cast. I, I was like, oh, this is just going to be fun. Like, even if it's not a Tupperware, I expected to just have a really fucking fun time watching this movie. And this is... I got about maybe 45 minutes into this movie where I said, fuck it. And I watched the rest of it at two times speed because I was just so <laughs> fucking annoyed and bored. And, um, yeah, I thought the twist at the end were dumb as fuck and not earned at all. So I avoid this at all costs, in my opinion. This, this is garbage. I get the fact that you don't want to use real animals in this movie, especially a real bull. In that one scene, you know, mm -hmm. they're basically, it's not the running of the bulls, but they're basically in an arena where a bull is like charging at them. I get that you don't want to use a real bull because it is cruel, but at least make the bull look real. Um, and at least, <laughs> yeah. at least make the arena look real. Cause it just looked like green screen, like bad. Yeah, the movie had a sheen to it. The whole movie was like that. I thought mm -hmm. where it, it, none of it looked like on location. It was all just like this weird, like glossy sheen to it. And yeah, I, I just could not get into this at all. The three bejeweled eggs just made me hungry for a Cadbury egg the entire <laughs> fucking time. I was just like, oh, my God, is it Easter? Can I get a Cadbury? Can I get a um, – Joe, what did you think about uh, – uh, are we still talking about Red Notice? <laughs> yeah, I actually love this movie. <laughs> fun with it, dude. I'm not gonna lie. But I'm not going to say that it's like a brilliant movie or a yeah. good movie. It, it yeah. is it, it is just a popcorn movie. It is it's a movie you just shut your brain off and just kind of have fun with. But for me it was like this this amalgam of all these different movies I loved like growing up. Like like it, it starts off and it has this feel of of like um you know like like entrapment or 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 something like that you know it's like the this heist thing and then it kind of morphs into it's like this buddy movie in there in prison kind of like tango and cash and then it's kind of <laughs> like fucking true lies and then it shifts to like indiana jones and i'm like this is so fucking weird and and like i unabashedly love ryan reynolds and so it a lot of his jokes in this worked for me. I was laughing. Um, I watched this with my kids also, and they had a really good time with it. Um, I was telling my 11-year-old, I'm like, dude, just picture Ryan Reynolds right now wearing the Deadpool suit, and he's basically just Deadpool in this movie. And, you know, but not dropping as many F-bombs. And, you know, it it just, it worked for me. And, and I'm actually really excited for the sequels. I liked that they set it up that I'm like, yes, I'm going to get more red notice at some point in the future. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't care. Heap all the shame on me you want for enjoying this, but I feel like I came out on top because I had a good time with it. You did. You did. Yeah, you're you're the, definitely the winner. You're the big fucking winner. <laughs> Seriously. Joe, Joe went to fucking, Joe went to Vegas, rolled the dice and came out a winner. You got the fucking Rain Man suite, baby. Because I did not love it as much as you did. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it's a high taste for me. Yeah. It's not good enough to be a Tupperware, but I mean, it is, it's every bit of a high taste for me. Oh, okay. So it's a high taste for Joe. I thought you were going to give this the, the, the banner. The fucking the no. Tupperware. <laughs> Not quite that good. <laughs> All, right. All right. Not quite that good. But yeah. no, I mean, I, I, I liked it way more than 
I, I don't know. I, and, and for me, it's just because it did. It have it had all those flavors of all these other movies that I loved growing up. And so, you know, maybe maybe that's not the best thing. It's like, oh, and I watched this. It reminds me of other things that I like. Oh, God. <laughs> but I thought, for me, it worked, dude. I was entertained. Yeah, I just thought that this was like the least – the least fun I've had with Dwayne Johnson in a movie in a long time, sadly. Agreed. So, yeah, because yeah, I, I love him. I love him. And, you know, and I, I feel like they didn't give Dwayne Johnson enough room to shine. And then and then even Gal Gadot, it was just like they just used her to like, you know, when it OK, um they're doing things right now and we're just waiting for her to show up and show them how stupid they are. It was like, <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I don't know if I'll watch the sequel to be quite honest with you. I might, I, I will not. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a given. You tossed it, Jake. <laughs> uh, I hated the torture scene. I, I didn't understand like, I guess Ryan Reynolds eventually became buddies with, with the rocks character. And that's why he, he gave in. But I, I didn't think any of that was very earned. And then like immediately two scenes later, it, Ryan Reynolds is seemingly acting like he doesn't care if Dwayne Johnson dies. So it, it was just very bizarre. Like why he would give up that information. Well, I guess he did not give up the information. So there you go. How about Soto Voce's voice? He sounded like Dumbledore, like Richard Harris. Oh, God, it was so bad. laugh every time we talk. I was so annoyed with his voice. Yes. Oh, oh, he's talking like, it's just, I don't know. It's just like really, oh, God, it was terrible. Um, Doc- it's like 90% of the profiles that like my match profile. <laughs> Dr. Brain, Dr. Brain dropped on Apple TV Plus. I, I think it's probably got two episodes out right now. I only had the, the, the chance to watch the first episode. Uh, when Lee C. Wan, uh, was a child, his mother died in a hit and run accident. He decided afterwards to become a brain scientist. Is that what they're called, Jake? Brain scientist? <laughs> um, neurologist or something like that, maybe? I don't know. Brain scientist? The or? synopsis I'm reading says he decided to become a brain scientist. I'm going to be a brain scientist. <laughs> 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 like, like, what is that like? Is that like what you write down? Like when it says like on a, you know, you, you get like, you get something and you got to write down like you're on your resume. It is like, I, like, you know, uh, brain scientist. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to be when you grow up? Brain scientist. Brain scientist. Yeah, I want to study I'm a brain science. Brain science, bro. The brain science field. I guess that is what it is. Huh? Is it? You're looking. Neurology? You're actually. You're looking this up. Yeah. So, brain scientist. This is his official. It's his official title. No, yes. It should be neurologist, right? I, I think that's know. something different. Like the scientist is someone who's like. Mm-hmm. It should be like a neuroscientist. Out. Yeah. I think that's more than just the brain though. Hmm. All right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, <laughs> to steer us down this <laughs> <laughs> He is a genius and remembers everything he sees. 20 years after his mother's death, Lee C. Wan has become a famous uh, PhD scientist in the brain science field. One day, a mysterious person contacts him and asks him to extract information from the brain of a man who committed suicide. 
Lee C. Wan is interested and accepts the proposal. He attempts to extract information from the dead man's brain, but fails. A couple of days later, he finds himself behaving differently and seeing things differently. Lee C. Wan looks into the dead man's case. And it's uh, directed by Kim Ji Woon. Uh, it's written by uh, 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 Joe... Jay Hong, and it's based on the webcomic Dr. Brain, uh, written by Hong. And so, when I was watching this, I, I kept thinking to myself, man, this would make a great, uh, this would make a really good anime. And so it, but it's based on a webcomic. Um, one episode in, I, I, I'm, it's intriguing. It's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. Um, a lot of things in the synopsis that they didn't cover is like, the I guess like the one is there's like one part of his brain that's like bigger and one part that's smaller and he doesn't have like he he's not he doesn't have the capacity for like empathy. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. so like when his mother dies, he doesn't react, and like when like you know things happen, he doesn't really react. He's just very analytical. He remembers everything, and. um he decides to become this brain scientist and there's like this so he's trying to transfer memories uh from one mouse to another mouse and and so basically there's one mouse that ran this maze and knew how to get out and the other mouse did not know how to run this maze and so he tries to transfer the memory uh of the one mouse to the other mouse and it's successful then he wants to do human trials and he's like I'm going to do it on myself. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a dead man's memories and, and, uh, put them into my brain or something like that. And then he starts getting all these hallucinations and seeing things that they're just choppy bits of this guy's memory. And then he's seeing like crazy hallucinations. And I think it's interesting. I just don't think that they should have just dropped one episode the first week. I think they should have dropped at least two. I'll give it a taste it with a commitment to at least watch the next episode. But I think it's interesting. Joe, what did you think about Dr. Brain? Yeah, I, I also have this as, as a taste in it. Like the concept, like when I read the description of what the show was, I got really, really excited. Um, but yeah, the first episode was, it was kind of all over the place for me. I feel like I'd have to watch it again to be able to get more out of it. And I was seriously questioning if I had the commitment to watch it again. When you said that, that this would be good in anime form, I a hundred percent back that up. Yeah. I, I think this might've worked a little bit better in anime form. Um, but man, I love the concept for this. Um, I, I'd probably be willing to go back and, and, and give it a little bit more of a shot. Um, in, in a way it kind of reminded me of the, the eighties movie, uh, flatliners. Oh yeah, it was a '90s movie. It was it was '90s. That was 1990, I believe. Flatliners. There you go. With like Kiefer Sutherland yeah. and all them, and you know where they kind of go back to the brink of death, and then when they come back, they, they kind of bring shit with them. I love yeah. that movie, Kevin. It's a great movie. Kevin Bacon. Was it Kevin Bacon? Yeah, yeah. Julia, Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Yeah. Was it was one of the Baldwins in that? Was it Stephen Baldwin? No, uh, was it? I think it was it Billy Baldwin. I think it was Stephen Baldwin. I think it was Billy Baldwin. Was it Billy? Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, a Baldwin was in every 90s movie, basically. <laughs> right. <so. laughs> but I mean, that's that's kind of what this put me in mind of. And and especially towards the end of the episode when he is, you know, kind of seeing shit that's not there. And and so I do think that this has promise. Um, 
And I'm definitely willing to, to to watch more, but just for the first episode, yeah, just taste it so far. Yeah, yeah, a lot, man, a lot going on here. Uh, Jake, what did you think about uh, Doctor Doctor Brain? Yeah, I'm right in line with everyone else so far. It's just a middle of the road taste it for me, and I'm probably going to wait to see if there's any buzz once the series wraps up. If I'll go back and watch more of this, um, I-, I was very confused by the first half. I almost thought we were watching like a villain origin story. It's a very interesting main character that Siwan is like it, the not having any empathy and, and, you know, seeing his mom die. Like I thought maybe we were leading into him not being such a great guy, but then by the second half, that doesn't necessarily like seem to be the case. Like he, he seems to be like the hero character and not a terrible person. Like he makes some, uh, he makes some maybe not so wise choices to, um, you know, do these operate, not operations, but experiments on himself, but he's not really, any kind of a like terrible criminal like i thought maybe we were leading into but but yeah it's um you know i have a hard time with shows or fiction where it's here's all these flashbacks and then later on you're going to find out what these flashbacks mean and why they're important usually that line of storytelling doesn't do much for me and it's just not fun you have to wait for the show to just kind of spell it out for you and you never get to like look at context clues and try to kind of solve a mystery yourself. Like you're at the whim of the main character and what he remembers from doing these experiments on the dead people. And I I don't know. I just, it's not my favorite thing. If there's a lot of buzz about like how it ends or there's some big twist in the next couple episodes, I'd be willing to go back and, uh, and give it a chance, but it it didn't wow me, but I I didn't hate it either. It's right, right there in the middle. Yeah. Janine, what'd you think about Dr. Brain? Okay, I, the second episode actually dropped this morning, yes. so I watched the first two episodes. Ooh, so you this, you have you have show. jumped into the second episode, so you you know more. It is a fucking Tupperware. Really? Um, I will give a content warning for the second episode, though, is that there is an animal death. Um, so just particularly for you, Brian. Yeah, there's an animal death. Because Joe and um, Jake don't give a fuck about Joe animals. Jake don't care. Yeah, <laughs> they don't care. Jake, Jake, I you've heard Jake. Finding Nemo. You've heard Jake right. in previous. <laughs> Jake in previous episodes has been like, ah, I would have given this Tupperware, but they didn't kill the bird. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted that bird dead. <laughs> um, yeah, there are so many twists. A little bit more gets explained. Hmm. Um, and by the end of the second episode, there's a huge twist. And I'm so excited for the third episode to drop. Um, this show is so good. It's it's like some supernatural elements. There's the science e-side and just the actor who's portraying him because he's supposed to be like have no empathy. But as he like does more and more brain sinks with more people, you know, you do begin to see him change a little bit in that he also shows a bit more emotion and he almost takes on the traits of the people that he brain sinks with. Yeah. And we saw a little bit of that in the first one. He was like drinking coffee and, and, and alcohol now. And th- those are things that he never yeah. did before. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, I, I'm so hooked. I'm so hooked. This show is so good. Holy shit. Okay. Okay. So this is definitely, I'm definitely going to be having to watch episode two now. Yeah. Because what were you sold after the first episode? 
I was. I was really intrigued by the end of the first ah, episode. Ah, shit. Um, well, okay, but, now you don't have to. Now, now, yeah. Now, yeah. <laughs> if you would have said, if you would have said, eh, the first episode wasn't that great, and then you'd be like, oh, but the second episode will blow your dick off. Yeah. yeah. I was really hyped by the end of the first episode because there were, like, some elements that I love out of Korean cinema, which is, like, the, the spooky and the scary and... Um, like you're not quite you're not quite sure what's real or what's not, and plus, then I was like, well, what happened to the wife? Because like you don't see her the whole yeah, first episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you do at the this, end. You do you at the very her. end. Yeah, you do. You see her at the end. Um, but yeah, there's all this intriguing stuff, and then as he's synced with more people who actually have connections to each other, you know, the the memories that he sees. Um, start to make more sense yeah. and they're all kind of piecing together into a really cohesive story leading to like there might be some sort of like in my just opinion but there might be some sort of like larger like almost like a stranger things type corporation involved huh. but that's just my like sort of um, uh, hypothesis on on what's being like little hints that are being dropped. What's interesting um, to me is the fact that like we're led to believe, you know, his son is dead and yet he's having these visions of after he does like this experimental, you know, like brain kind of like transfer of memories where he is visited by, uh, you know, um, visions or memories or something. And they're saying like, you know, his son, I guess his name is Dayun or something. He's like, your son is still mm -hmm. alive, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what is going on with that? Do they, you know, yeah. like, are they going to get into more in, into that? Like, you know, the, the son and, and stuff like that. So what the fuck happened to his mom? Like, is, is there more to do with that? Did she kill herself? I think she just stepped out into the street and fucking killed herself, dude. Okay. Yeah, I, I got the sense she was just very overwhelmed by everything that had to do with her son. His she was such a bad parent. She's like, this is just <laughs> too much. I'm just over it. She yeah. no, she was stuck at the same intersection that that kid was stuck <laughs> at. <laughs> nice, Where are nice. Coming from? Where the fuck are you all coming from? And she just steps out of the road and gets hit by a truck. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. It was one of those moments where I like blinked, and then the next thing I know, she's dead. I had to rewind. I was like, "Did she just get hit by a car?" Yeah, <laughs> it was so fast, and it, it was just like she was just standing there, like waiting for it. it bizarre. Yeah. Well, shit. I, I will watch the second episode now, Janine, based on your recommendation. I'm glad. All righty. Let's see here. Uh, this dropped on HBO Max a couple weeks ago, and I just saw it pop up in my feed, so I wanted to talk about this one because I was really intrigued about this because this is something that I asked myself when this happened. And I watched What Happened to Brittany Murphy on HBO Max. It's a two-part docuseries. Did you guys watch this? Yes, both parts. Yes. Same. Presents an in-depth, intimate character portrait exploring the life and career and mysterious circumstances surrounding the tragic death of 90s actress and rising star Brittany Murphy. After bursting onto the scene in the mid-90s, Brittany Murphy jets towards becoming an A-list actor. But in 2009, shocking news of her mysterious death casts suspicion on her husband, Simon Monjack. Here's the thing. I remember when she died and... She was 32, 
and they said the cause of death was pneumonia. And I'm like, how in the fuck? This is not like, this isn't fucking like the 1800s and shit. <laughs> like this isn't fuck. I'm not playing Oregon Trail. I'm sorry. Brittany Murphy died of pneumonia. Like what the fuck happened to Brittany Murphy? How do you fucking, how do you as a fucking A-list star, 2009 die of pneumonia at 32? I'm talking, she's not 90 years old. She's 32 years old. How does she die of pneumonia? How does this happen? And I always wondered that. Like I went to like her IMDb page years ago and I was like, yeah, it's fucking pneumonia. What the fuck? And it gets into this story about how, you know, uh, how, how she, how she fell, um, into this relationship with this guy, Simon Monjack, who has like a, very shady past and has manipulated women in the past and how not it just like it was like the perfect storm of things happening in her life like her and Ashton Kutcher broke up and then she meets this guy Simon Monjack who it just basically is like this guy who who feeds upon women in power and takes takes their money it's like the shit that you used to see on like uh, unsolved mysteries where these really charming guys would, you know, he was a, he said he was like a director and he made this great movie and blah, blah, blah. And it was doing great at these festivals. And in all actuality, the people that saw this movie said it was trash and it was terrible. And he just gets into her head and says, you know, you know, oh, you need to lose weight. You need to do this and takes over her life, takes over her finances and keeps her kind of like in this bubble. And away from everybody else being able to, you know, help her. And, and people saw her like get super thin to the point where she almost looked like emaciated and not healthy. And next thing you know, like she fucking dies. So like, I don't, I was blown away by this. And, uh, I had like, I knew her, I best knew her from like King of the Hill when she played Luann Platter, the voice of Luann Platter. And of course, Ty from Clueless and, I remember her in Girl Interrupted and some other things. Sin City. I always thought she was great. It just came out of nowhere where she, where she passed away. Oh, and Eight Mile. She was fucking great in Eight Mile. <clears throat> but, um, I think really to kind of, it's, I, I understand why she died now and it's really sad. It's, it's just really fucking sad. And I just, I really, you know, it was hard listening to, uh, Kathy Najimy, who, um, who was one of her co stars who played Peggy Hill on King of the Hill. And there's, there's a point in the documentary where Kathy says, I wish I would just would have went over to the house and banged on the door until I could talk to her. Even if they would have fucking sent me away, I just wish I would have, I, I would have been able to talk to her. And, um, it's just, I don't know. I, it's just tragic. Um, Janine, what did you think about what happened to Brittany Murphy? Would you rate it, Brian? Uh, it's an absolute Tupperware because I, I wanted to know, and I think that this presented everything in a really, a really good way as to like, it, I understand what happened. <laughs> Why did it happen though? Why did this have to happen though? It really, it makes you sick by the end of it. Like, why did this have to happen? Why are there, why are there fucking narcissists and sociopaths and, 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 and people that fucking take advantage of, 
of from all accounts uh, a beautiful person that had a dream and then it's not only just Simon Monjack it's this fucking it's Hollywood putting pressure on on women on everybody uh sometimes to 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 look a certain way to it really it just it left a bad taste in my mouth as to as to how some of these um women are kind of like treated in Hollywood and um you know if Brittany Murphy didn't get into acting she'd still be alive that's the god's honest truth like a lot of 100%. there's a, there's so many different fucking there's so many different people uh in in that that got that get mixed up in Hollywood and shit that that's what killed him. Michael Jackson would be alive to this day if it wasn't for his family pushing him and 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 fame and fortune and prescription do- drugs and all this bullshit. There's so many people that would still be with River, us. River Phoenix. River Phoenix. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. It fucking, yeah. Like, it's like, we always think to ourselves, oh my God, it would be amazing to be like loved by that many people and to have that amount of fame and fortune and, and you know, like her legacy is going to go on forever. Same thing with River Phoenix. Like they'll always be remembered, but their life was cut short. And it's so fucking sad, man. Hollywood, if you're not careful, it'll, eat you up and spit you out. And it's really fucking sad. It's really fucking sad. Um, yeah. Uh, Janine, what'd you think about this? Yeah. I'm going to agree that this documentary was a Tupperware. Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, of true crime documentaries. I listened to probably between seven and 10 true crime podcasts in total. Um, and I do like how they kind of touched on like the people who perpetuate the conspiracy theories and the people who talk about true crime, especially like those YouTube channels where you have the women doing their makeup while they tell a true crime story. And that has always just sat not right with me because it just feels very um, it doesn't feel like you're respecting the victims that you're talking about when you're doing your makeup, um, talking about someone being bludgeoned or someone like Brittany Murphy being manipulated by by Hollywood and by Simon and I think even to a degree like her mom like yeah I I know that Brittany they talk about how much she wanted to be a star from even a young age and she had like that spark even when she did like that um like the the Matuchin Fair in New Jersey and she did like a little fake interview thing and oh. it's like you know she yeah. she sparked right off the screen yeah. Even as a child. So she always had it. But, you know, yeah, I, I, you bring up a lot of good points about women, especially in the in the industry. Like she was treated as the fat one in Clueless. And she's probably like, what, a size four? Yeah. Like, and she, was the, and she was the fat one. And that's insane. That really is insane. And so, yeah, for her to be a, an A-list star, she had to lose a lot of weight. Whereas already she was quite thin. Well, it was, it was the one, if they didn't name the producer, but somebody said like, she's cute, but she's not fuckable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) How do you say, mmm, how do you say, and and see with somebody like her, she's just so driven that to hear something like that and to hear, you know, it got oh my god that i it's, she, 
Oh, go ahead. I'm she sorry. Was what? Like, se- sorry. She was like, what? Yeah, 17. She was in Clueless. And there's people talking about her body like that at around that age. Where, yeah, oh, she's cute, but she's not fuckable. She's a fucking teenager. Like, <laughs> what the hell? And then, yeah, there is that perfect storm of she was someone who, you know, a lot of her boyfriends talked about, or they talked about her boyfriends that she wanted to settle down really quick. And, you know, honestly, like, she didn't have her father growing up. And I think when you don't have a very present father figure, you are always looking for that someone to create stability in your life. And narcissists especially see that. And they 100% take advantage of that. And so Simon Monjack swooped in because he's somewhat of a con man. You mentioned that he had, he swore he had this movie that was doing great. He was a billionaire and he was not. He was living off of women. Um, you know, his ex who had his child in Paris, you know, she talked about how he had this look that he loved in women, which was like this anorexic look. And even while she was pregnant, like he starved her to the point where if like her, if her friend hadn't come and gotten her and taken her to the hospital, she herself would have died from malnutrition while trying to have a child. Um, so he is someone who manipulated a situation and then manipulated her and isolated her from everyone. And I think he manipulated the mother as well. And so honestly, when he died like three months after Brittany Murphy, it was like, great, but we even have less answers now. Yeah. But uh, he's one of those people that it's like, you know what? Good riddance. The fucking pictures of him and his, uh, of him and her mother though. So creepy. So creepy. So creepy. There are pictures of, uh, him and Brittany Murphy's mother and she's got her, the mother's got her head like rested up against his chest. Oh yeah. And it's you're like just taking a glamour shot and then they uh, talk about like how they're going to sleep together, together and share yeah. the bed. Like, oh, can't. Nope. <laughs> 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 so gross. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, this was fantastic. I I'm usually not drawn to the the true crime stuff, but this this was riveting. As soon as that first episode was was finished, I immediately started the second episode. Um this was an absolute Tupperware for me. Um you know, growing up in 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 the 90s, I I I remember Brittany Murphy and you know, I remember I remember her in Clueless and in 8 Mile and Girl Interrupted and in Sin City and all these other movies and then I remember hearing about her her dying young and and I thought it was a drug overdose and so you know I I learned a lot watching this and and I couldn't believe you know what just a creep piece of shit her her husband was yeah an absolute con man all all the stuff the 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 interview that that him and the and her mom went and did on Larry King was so creepy um the way they reacted to to some of the questions with laughing and stuff. And, th- and then also that he, him trying, trying to start some foundation in her name afterwards. And then soliciting oh, yeah. all these Hollywood types being like, Oh yeah, come to this event and you're, and you're going to pay thousands of dollars to do it. And then they all find out that, you know, it's, it's not even a nonprofit. It's, you know, it's all absolutely just a cash grab by this piece of shit. And, you know, absolutely good riddance that, that he's gone because, uh, it's just, I mean, just in the pictures of, of the two of them together, too, it was, you know, you almost look at her and just be like, what are you thinking? <laughs> you think that this dude, like, is is right for you. But, I mean, like like you were saying, Brian, I mean, this is a classic story of, 
this beautiful young starlet that Hollywood just chewed up and spat out. Um, the horrific shit that ho- that Howard Stern was saying to Ashton Kutcher, like, wh- what oh. the fuck, man? Like, the call- saying that that she's like the the fat girl in-, in Clueless and all that is completely out of line. Just horrible stuff to say yeah. about about anybody. But I wish that and, somebody and the- would fucking grab their nutsack when Howard is saying this shit and fucking. And fucking, you know, I think I think Justin Timberlake has said some bullshit in, in some interviews. I, it might have been with Howard Stern about you know Britney Spears and then Ashley. Yeah. Fucking grab your fucking nutsack and say something. Stick up for for somebody that you were in a relationship that you had intimate moments with. Don't let somebody that fucking you know I hate that fucking shit. Grab your fucking dick and say something. Because I don't think Howard Stern should be saying that shit. And Howard Stern was somebody I used to fucking admire when I was a teen- teenager because he was so fucking against the grain and shit. I used to own a fucking Howard Stern for governor t-shirt when he ran for governor. I loved Howard Stern. And then it oh, just, yeah. But that, I remember was, buying private parts when it came out in hardback. Yeah, and it's like I, I was a huge Howard Stern fan. But the, I was a teenager too. And when I got older, I realized, man, some of the shit he's saying is pretty fucked up. So yeah, a hundred percent, dude. And, yeah. and, and this was a classic example of that. And, and, and clearly, you know, all this stuff, it had a very detrimental effect on, on Brittany Murphy's mental health. And then in combination to this guy who was just absolutely controlling and like fired everybody. I mean, he be, he became even, I mean, her manager, her agent, I mean, even her fucking hair and makeup, Yeah, which, which yeah. apparently he was abysmal. At. I mean, that, that story yeah. from the, you know, the, the real makeup woman that came in to fix it. And, ah, uh, it's just, it's, it's so sad in, in the fact that, you know, he squandered all that money and, oh my gosh. And in, in the second episode, the interviews with his mom, it's like, is this lady just trying to put a brave face on like the, the, the legacy that her son left behind or is she completely freaking clueless i mean i couldn't quite figure those people out she was a hundred percent an enabler and she made every single excuse for him under the sun yeah and i i wanted to slap her so hard yeah anytime she talked i mean both of the mothers that were shown in this Mm -hmm. i mean i mean just the all the people that that should have been there to support and take care of her they weren't there in in the saddest part Part is 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 the doctor saying that if they just got her to the hospital a few days before this, she'd still be alive. She'd still be fine. Yeah, I mean, it's completely preventable. And really, it just comes came down to her husband was so controlling that he wouldn't even let her go see a doctor. The documentary, the documentary starts with the nine one one phone call. Oh my god, from was so heavy from her so mother, and you can hear them giving them instructions on what they need to be doing and putting the chest compressions and he's like you're still doing it too slow it was almost like simon monjack wanted her to die Mm -hmm. as he's fucking not doing like the chest compressions fast enough he's just you know just it was it was the and oh god jake what did you think about this yeah, I'm right there with everyone else. This was a Tupperware. Um, you know, I, I knew some of this information, but most of it was information I, I, I did not know at all. I, I really had no exposure to Simon Monjack and who he was and what kind of person he was. I honestly just learned about, like, his whole life and all the stuff he did just from watching this for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I was just blown away at what a scum he was. Um, and just the oddity of him dying in the same bathroom three months later from the same thing just, just kind of blew my mind. Um, I, I agree with a lot of the stuff you guys are saying. I think another thing that added to it, and they talked about this, was, um, you know, she started movies at the age of 17, so she wasn't in school anymore. and She didn't have any of those social cues or social yeah. moments that kind of help define you and let you know, like, who's a good person and who's a bad person. Like, that that radar was just never developed for her. And, and you could see that. Like, that and the lack of a father figure is just kind of the – you know, the perfect storm to put her in this bad situation. And I just felt so terrible for her. Um, it was so sad to see some of the later movies she was in when, you know, they had to just like feed her lines right then and there, like either the actor or the director himself is like feeding her lines. Cause she's just such a mess and such a wreck just on set near the end. It, just so sad to see. Um, yeah. It's just like, who knows what would have happened if she could have just gone to the fucking doctor a week earlier, two days earlier. But yeah. And they talk about how Simon would have her stand up till two or three in the morning, you know, eating junk food and watching TV when she had to be on set early the next day. So, I mean that not eating as healthy as she should be all the pills. It's like just one of those things can take your life, but it was like three or four things added together that she was doing. And, and you could see how it went downhill fast. Yeah. Like it's a miracle. It didn't happen sooner than it, than it did like that. She made it as long as she did. I just so sad. Um, I have one, this, it's an absolute Tupperware for me, but I do have one neurotic complaint about this documentary. Um, it really annoyed me that every time they would say like, nine days after the death, and then they would have to kick it up three or four spots. I did not understand the point of that at all. <laughs> like, every single time they lied to you about the timeline, it'd be like, 51 days after her death, tick, tick, tick. No, it's 55. And, like, the first time I was like, okay, I get it. They're showing the passage of time. But they do it, like, a dozen times. They do it every time. And I, I didn't understand what the director was thinking when it came to that i that was a terrible device uh it didn't take away from how much i enjoyed this but by the second half i was laughing at it <laughs> yeah I, I i don't know i guess i was just listening to the information not paying attention to the ticker. there was no information during these parts it would just say 17 days and then it would tick up to 22 and then yeah start information i was just waiting for the for the for the next bit of information i don't know yeah, it's just a, biz a bizarre production choice that I never really understood what they were going for. But like I said, it's still an absolute Tupperware. It didn't take away from it, but it, it was just like it annoyed me. Joe, did that did that just fucking shake you to your core as well? No, I remember. I <laughs> Sorry, remember like Jake. all the all the things happening, but I don't remember the ticking with it. Yeah. But now, now that it's put in my brain, if I watch it again, I'm probably going to notice it now. So thanks for that, dude. <laughs> it, it, it does make a very loud ticking sound, and it happens every time. Jake, Jake, Jake hated watching sixty minutes as a child too. Everybody. So. Yeah. I mean, every time it happened, I was like looking for the red wire. You know? Yeah, he's like, what the fuck. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna bring it back to the red wire too, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, she bought that house from uh, Britney Spears. Did she? Did you see that Britney Spears' conservatorship is finally uh, ended? Of course I did. Of course Yay. I did. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get she some. She said she was crying all night just from the outpour of fans. I don't know if you saw any of the video. How many people showed up at the courthouse? And mm. it was just, it was wild. I, 
that's so awesome. Like yeah. I can't imagine the emotions she's feeling from that. Um, I'm happy. Hopefully there'll be some, uh, some new Britney Spears stuff coming out. Cause, uh, she was, she was super talented, man. She's a big part of the late nineties. Oh, for sure. A lot of her modern stuff was really good too. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I love the, I, I mean, I loved her late nineties, early two thousand stuff. I couldn't tell you any of the other stuff, but she's super talented, super talented kid. I got to say kid. Kid. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I still look at her as like that little girl, you know, hit me baby one more time. Um, Let's see here. Poorly drawn lines on Hulu. I'm not going to talk about this one too much. Um, it's uh, Did you guys watch any of this? Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Fantastical Misadventures of Ernesto, Tanya, and Kevin, 320-something best friends navigating early adulthood in a world where the strange and surreal are an everyday thing. It's uh, it's, it's, it's animated. It started out as a webcomic created by uh, cartoonist Riza Far. For Osmond, and uh, it features mostly standalone comic strips that range from just one frame to many, most of which are satirical and absurdist in tone. The topic of each strip varies with recurring themes, including space travel, supernatural occurrences, science fiction, friendship, and existentialism. Most strips are conclusive and able to read without any previous knowledge of storyline. However, the comic also contains some ongoing story arcs, along with recurring characters such as Ernesto, a green bear who lives in outer space. Um, that's from the webcomic. This is, uh, it's, uh, I guess this is part of the fifth season of FXX's Cake, and they're just dropping these on Hulu, and they're about 15 minutes a piece or so, and I think mm-hmm. they've come out with seven episodes. Um, I, I really like this. I think it's fun. I think it's like an adult version of like, uh, uh, Adventure Time, as far as like the animation. It just feels, it's, I, I really like it. Each episode is just so different and funny. And I am familiar with the webcomic. I, every once in a while somebody will post the webcomic on Reddit and I'll read it there. I don't really go to the website to read it, but uh, I have seen many of these and I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm going to give like some episodes are a high, are a high tasted. Some are, some are Tupperwares. But uh, I'll give it – overall, I'll give it a Tupperware. This is like right up my alley. I, I like it a lot. Um, You guys can talk about it. I guess Joe? Yeah, it, it didn't click for me at all. I, I didn't even make it through the first episode before before I tossed it. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I was just in a shitty mood <laughs> or what, but I was watching it and I was just like – I was like, at all. This ain't no red notice. <laughs> it certainly <laughs> there, there, there This ain't no not, red notice is what he yelled in. Nothing his, like Tango and Cash. Is not, is a, I, none of this reminds me of anything that I like. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Joe and this is not Indiana Jones. <laughs> They're fighting some toilet monster. They're fighting a toilet monster. I never saw that in an app in Tango and Cash. Never saw, <laughs> never saw Sylvester Stallone battle a toilet monster. I don't, I don't know why you would talk like why that. Why is this becoming far from like? I don't know, Jake. I don't know. This is what Joe went away from. Away from this podcast. That is how Joe talks within his home. Just, I do, I do say. I, I, I do, de- I do declare, I do declare this is not 
Uh, uh, I'm declaring it's going to be naked time tonight, Miss Lindsay. <laughs> wow, is it? Is that how you seduce your wife, that Joe? Work, Joe? It works a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I put on my Colonel Sanders bow tie. Uh, it's fucking irresistible. Oh my gosh! A little bit of, a little bit of sex panther math there. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Janine, what did you, uh, what did you think about poorly drawn lines? Um, yeah, I actually, I watched all six episodes that were available and, um, <laughs> on my notes, I think I was a little tipsy when I wrote this cause it's like, this show is weird, but I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> my favorite line was actually from the first episode when, um, Ernesto is looking for jobs that don't break your soul, and the Google results are no. <laughs> 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 that, that, as someone who was very recently looking for a job, is exactly how the Google results are. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So yes, I, I actually, I like it. You know, it's fine. It's a quick, it's a quick like, watch, like, right? Like, yeah, it's a quick watch. Um, and like you brought, like you said, like I was exposed to the web comic, like when someone shared it, like on Instagram or something. Yeah. Um, I never really sought it out, but it would come across my feed every now and again. And it's like fun. It's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I like Kevin. Kevin's weird. The bird. Yeah. Um, I think he's a pigeon. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, it's just fun. I, I don't hate it. I don't like it. So it, it's a solid taste. It. It's a taste of Virginia. <laughs> oh man, Joe, I'm, I, I, are you upset with my portrayal of you at home? No, it was spot on. <laughs> That's a miracle. <laughs> this ain't no. I don't know why. You, I don't know why you turned into Foghorn Leghorn in my mind. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the memes that semi-dry chicken is going to come up with with the foghorn. Oh, leghorn God, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's used foghorn leghorn before. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, I think, <laughs> Jake, what, what, Jake, what did you think about this? What do you think I thought of this? You didn't like it. Yeah, I hated it. I figured. I, 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 um, <laughs> I watched the first episode. I did make it through the entire first episode. Um, yeah, I just thought it was bland and unfunny, and it just wasn't my thing. Um, you know, comedy subjective to each their own. I I don't think any less of anyone that that enjoyed this, but it was not my cup of tea. Oh man, I do think less of people that didn't enjoy this show, uh, Jake. On the on the flip side, <laughs> I, I, that's not surprising. I do, I do. I I I I look at them with a with a fiery rage. <laughs> Anyone, anyone who doesn't enjoy poorly drawn lines on Hulu, I look at them with disdain and hatred. Mm, mm. And I, <laughs> I'm trying to, I think the closest I got to laughing was when she's in line at the coffee place and she convinces the guy that they order together and then she <laughs> gets someone else to let her cut and then instantly just ditches the guy that was kind of right. like <laughs> and that was the i was like oh that's kind of funny uh, each episode's different each episode is different I, the kaiju episode was really funny did you watch that one janine the kaiju episode oh wait a minute that was one with like the the robot yeah the I big didn't... robot and yeah, then the, yeah yeah with the sauce like that it was funny. It was just so weird. 
It was funny. And he was so upset about his dinner party getting ruined. Yes. It was it was funny. I didn't I didn't know that every episode was gonna be completely different. That that's interesting to me. I, I just assumed it was gonna be these same characters throughout the whole series. So Well, you know what they say about people that assume Jake? <laughs> that they save themselves about an hour of time. That they that they that they No. They're they're like fifteen minute episodes. Fifteen yeah, I, minutes. I think my math was right. God Five damn episodes would have been about an hour. <sighs> I know. I'm just saying. You could have, could have, you could have. Anyway, if I watch episode one and it's a toss it, then I'm not finding out that the episode two is completely different. I know. Than one. I yeah. I know. I know. You just you're so close minded, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> They're right. Well, these, these lines are drawn poorly. I'm done. Actually, I didn't think the line. I'm done. I was disappointed by the line quality. I I thought the line quality was very sharp and thick and good. I thought they were very well drawn lines. Oh yeah. Okay. Now Jake's got a problem with the with with the, with the title not matching up with the actual presentation of the lines. Oh yeah. Like I mean, it didn't look like a kid drew it at all. I, I thought it looked very professional and good. I, I think it's just self deprecation, Jake, and that's all I think it is, Jake. They're they're basically saying it's poorly drawn lines, but in all actuality, they've done a good they've done a pretty good job with the lines. Yeah, I would have renamed this show "Poorly Written Lines." Oh, you're fu- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm done with you as a person. <laughs> I was like, what did I say to make Brian the most mad here? <laughs> I do declare you found it. Oh, oh shit! Oh shit! I don't know if that was the Colonel or Foghorn Leghorn. I think it's kind of a mix. It is. It is. Either way, it sounds super racist. <laughs> <laughs> like Joe, Joe, you sound like somebody that's just like you know what I mean. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Leonardo DiCaprio from Django Unchained or something. Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, it's like don't don't open up the dresser drawers. All you're gonna see is white hoods in that guy's house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes yeah, yeah, really good fried chicken, <laughs> but not not a good person. All right, let's let's let's. I need a break after this. Oh, thank you. Oh, I know, Jake. Oh, I, oh, I know. I know. I was laughing so hard. It was not helping. I know. How many, how, how many cups of coffee, Jake? How many Red Bulls? Give us, give us two cups of coffee. Two cups. Give us the tally. Jake's (laughs) got zero Red Bulls. I'm trying to take a Red Bull break. Jake takes like a, Jake takes like a little Red Bull coffee tally and writes it down. And then he's like, Oh, oh, I'm on three and a half, Brian. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, come on now. You guys do the same with the alcohol. I, I, you know, I can tell you how many beers you've had halfway through an episode. Yeah, but I just, you know what, Jake? I fucking, I man up and I just piss myself and we just keep recording. <laughs> <laughs> I'll concede to that. It's very manly of you. <laughs> old manly. <laughs> I'm like, fuck it. We're going to keep going. 
sponsors depends. All right, we'll be. <laughs> what? Oh, what? What about depends? I said your new sponsors depends. Oh God, it'd be a step up from some of our past sponsors, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, remember to check out Ida Red. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll be we'll be. Stop with the good jokes. We'll be right back. Hey, how are you? First, I want you to know that I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when I'm not impregnating my housekeeper, I like to buy t-shirts on popcultureleftovers.com. Or you can buy a PCO mug or stickers or even a skateboard deck. You can even buy a PCO bath mat. Listen to this. Imagine getting out of your shower if you have your balls out or your vagina and they're fully exposed and you're hovering just mere feet over the PCO Majestic logo. Hovering like a chopper. And just like a chopper, you should get to popcultureleftovers.com and click on the thread this link or you can head directly over to popcultureleftovers.threadless.com and buy a shirt. Come on, do it now. Do it. Buy a shirt. I'm here. I'm right here. Hey, welcome back. Welcome hey. welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the program. It's exciting times. Welcome back, Janine. good to be back. Welcome back, Jake. Thank you. Welcome back, Joe. Thank you. We took a break now. We're back. Welcome back. Welcome back, Kata. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's going on? <laughs> Uh, everybody like that's 20 that's listening to this i have no idea why you guys giggled at that i mean that's <laughs> half our jokes i know yeah exactly it's lost it's lost on the youth jake <laughs> our jokes are lost on the youths the youths have to use the googles yeah i, I I was watching something and uh, the person, they were like in their 20s and they didn't know who Grimace was. What? What? Yeah. Grimace looks like a fucking purple butt plug, bro. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> I always thought it was like just a big gumdrop. Like I, and purple gumdrops are my favorite one. So, Dude, he looks like something you shove up your lover's butt. <laughs> <laughs> got those handy feet to pull him back out. True. Got a base, you're good. <laughs> Oh man, I'm gonna give you the grimace. <laughs> the grimace. You'll be grimacing, all right. Gonna, oh. <laughs> all right here. Uh, hey, we watched. Uh, who watched the Harder They Fall on Netflix? I did. When outlaw Nat Love discovers that his enemy Rufus Buck is being released from prison, he rounds up his gang to track Rufus down and seek revenge to those riding with him in this assured, righteously new school western include his former love stagecoach Mary, his right and left-hand men, hot-tempered Bill Pickett, and fast-drawing Jim Beckworth, and uh, surprisingly adversary-turned-ally. Uh, Rufus Buck has his own fearsome crew, including treacherous Trudy Smith and Cherokee Bill, 
and they are not a group that knows how to lose. Uh, this is a revisionist Western film directed by Jamie Samuel, who co-wrote the screenplay with Boaz Yakin. Uh, Jamie Samuel, also known by his stage name, The Bullets, is a British singer-songwriter, music producer, and filmmaker from London, England. The film stars Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield, R.J. Seiler, uh, Danielle Deadweiler, Edie Gathegi, and Dion Cole, it is one of few Westerns whose principal cast members are all black. Although a fictional film, its characters are based on real cowboys, lawmen, and outlaws of the 19th century American West. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, this movie came out actually a couple weeks ago, but, and I didn't put it on the list because it came out the same week as, uh, as Eternals, but I thought that this was like an important movie for us to cover, so I wanted to bring it over into this week's episode and, and talk about this one. Huge cast here. Like, you think about, you know, like, um, you know, I know Black Panther had like a predominantly black cast, but man, you know, like, you, th- this is a, it's, it's basically an all western black, uh, film, and, and it, it it just took me back to like uh uh do you guys remember Harlem Nights when that came out? Oh, of course. Uh Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Eddie Murphy. It just takes me back to like, you know, um those movies where they have like some of the best black actors out at that time getting together and doing a movie and uh I had to watch this one. And, uh, and I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, and I love Westerns. If you've ever listened to the podcast before, you know, I'm a big fan of Westerns. And so, um, really wanted to watch this movie. I, uh, I didn't expect all the, I knew that there was going to be a twist. I knew there was going to be a twist at the end, but it snuck up on me, and I'm sure some of you watched this one and, and probably realized it pretty soon. It snuck up on me. I didn't realize the twist, and I don't want to spoil it for people. Um, I think this movie had great heroes, great villains, and I think it was I think it was really well done. I don't want to spoil this for for anybody, but I can't believe it's on fucking Netflix. I would have loved to have seen this one in the theaters. Um, Jonathan Majors is fantastic in this movie. I think Regina King plays a great fucking villain, but they give her some layers. We get to learn about her character. Um, and, uh, Lakeith Stanfield gave me this fucking like, uh, um, I loved him as, uh, as kind of like, uh, a villainous character in this. Like he, he's got this reputation as like a, um, a gunslinger and, uh, it really made me think of like Tombstone with, uh, Doc Holliday and fucking, uh, Michael Bean's character in that movie. And I don't know. I fucking loved it. I thought it was great. I thought Zazie Beetz was great. Idris Elba was fantastic. I honestly think Regina King for the time that they gave her in this movie, she really shined a little bit more than even fucking Idris Elba. Um, I love this movie. I want to hear what you guys have to say about it, though. Uh, Jake, what did you think about The Harder They Fall? Yeah, the, the Harder They Fall was my favorite thing I watched this week. This was an absolute chopper. I, I didn't know what to expect, but, man, this movie had so much fucking style and fucking swagger. It was so 
cool. Um, the way they filmed the action sequences was just awesome. I thought the soundtrack was fucking second to none. I, I need to look and see if like these songs are available like on a playlist on Spotify or something because, man, just tons of great music from the Kid Cudi opening song to all the different stuff they did throughout. A lot of modern music in a Western, and I, I thought it worked really well with the songs they picked. Um, yeah, and I agree with everything you said, Brian. I actually am right there with you. I did not see the twist coming at all and was surprised by it. And it just made that end so much more dramatic. Once I found that out, I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is this is so crazy. Um, I thought Dion Cole was fantastic, too. I don't think I've ever seen him do anything but, like, silly comedy stuff. And it was really cool to see him, like – really like flex his acting muscles. And I, I thought he did a great job. You know, I, that was not his natural voice. And it was, he did such a great job at that. It didn't seem fake or phony. And man, just the impact of gunshots and punches and hits, like it had such great sound and Foley work. And just the way it was filmed, like almost a slight Tarantino esque flair on the editing. Too, I kept thinking, like, I kept, <laughs> I hate to cut you off, but I kept, I kept thinking that they were tri- just at first, when I first watched this, I was just thinking like, oh, they're just trying to do a Quentin Tarantino movie, but it's not a Quentin Tarantino movie. But I think like the, and I'm not, I know that's not what you're saying, but. I kept thinking like, oh, they're just trying to do a Quentin Tarantino movie, but it's not quite a Quentin Tarantino movie. And the more the movie kept going, I kept thinking to myself like, this is no, there, you know, there, you can compare this, I guess, to a Quentin, Tar- like Django or something, but it's not. It's not. No, not at, not at all. Not at all. It was just some of the, some of the directing choices gave me that vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, the, and the use of the music gave me that vibe a little bit as well. But yeah, it, thematically, it's not really anything like a Tarantino movie yeah. other than maybe some music choices. And, and some I'm glad because choices. nobody, nobody can do a Tarantino movie other than Tarantino. And so I'm glad that this like stands on its own. It's different. Yeah, I mean, they have that final showdown at the end of the movie, and there's this, like, kind of oh shit moment that happens. And we do, like, a split screen of all five of our principal hero characters all on the screen at the same time reacting to this oh shit moment. And I just thought it was so, like, brilliant the way they did it. Um, I agree, Regina King, for the limited time she had, really shined. Like, that that sit-down scene with yeah. her and Zazie's Beats where, you know, she's telling her story and then the response she gets from that character. Yeah. Just, woof. Man, I this was so fucking good. I I will watch this at least two or three more times probably in the next month. It's it's one of those movies that I'll just put on while I'm like playing some other video game just that it's such a great like background movie. It, it's so much fun. I could watch this from any point. Like if this was on TV, it's one of those movies where if I turned it on at any part of the movie, I would just watch the rest of the movie. Here's the thing. I keep thinking to myself, like, why the fuck are we not getting Atlanta season three yet? Like, why the fuck hasn't it come out? And I just keep thinking to myself, like, Brian Tyree Henry, the Keith Stanfield are just so fucking big right now. And they're doing everything. Everything. Like, how are we, how are we ever going to get Atlanta season three? They're filming. They, they just started filming. I know. Yeah, yeah. But I was worried about, like, are we ever going to get Atlanta season three? Because Lakeith Stanfield is huge. Brian Tyree Henry is huge. Donald Glover still, like, he hasn't done, uh, uh, I don't think he's done as much as both of those guys within the past few years, but he's still big and he's still doing shit. 
It's just like, how do you get all three of these guys together to, to, with their busy schedules to do an Atlanta season three? Um, but yeah, the, the cast is so phenomenal. Yeah. You, you really get the, I'm like, you really get the vibe that they really all enjoyed working with each other too. Just the, the chemistry between everyone is so good in this movie. Like no one is out of place whatsoever. Um, I love seeing like the lawman forced to kind of like go against his principles and, and do his thing. And, Oh, man, this movie is so much fucking fun. It's really good. It's a really fucking good Western. Fantastic. Fuck. I give it a Tupperware. Um, Joe, did you watch this one? Yeah, this this was also an absolute Tupperware for me and my favorite thing that we watched this week. Um, I, this movie, I love the way it was stylized. Um, the, the, the gunfights in it were so good. The cast in this was just spectacular. I remember the first time a while back I saw a trailer for this. Um, I was just hooked from that moment. And, and when I saw this was on the list, I was really, really stoked. Um, man, Regina King in this really, really blew me away. And I mean, she's, she's great in everything she's in. And, and, and Lakeith Stanfield's character, Cherokee Bill. Oh, was God. Like, yes. It was so good because it was, it was like, you almost want to like him, but it's like, you, you, you really can't, <laughs> you know? And like, he, he towed that line so well. And like Idris Elba did a very good job playing, you know, this psychotic killer that there, there's points where he's talking where you're like, I can almost get on board with your plan here, dude. And so yeah. it, it made the bad guys in this, which, you know, from the very start of the movie, you're not supposed to like Rufus at all. And, and, and I'm, I guess I'm not saying that I liked him, but there were, there were moments in this where I kind of understood where he was coming from. I, I kind of saw what he wanted to do with Redwood and, and, and I supported it, but not his methods. Um, the brutality in this movie was just unreal. That pistol whipping scene was one of the gnarliest things I've seen in a movie. Uh, the, the, all the blood effects in this I felt were really, really good too. I mean, just from the, the fights to the, the, the gunshots and everything, it was, I mean, man, it, it really worked for me. I, I grew up watching westerns and, Seeing the way that they did this one, it just made me so excited. Um, Jake, when you said you're going to be watching this one a few more times, like I'm right there with you. This is one that it's going to get watched uh, at least one more time, probably before the weekend's out with me. I mean, I just I, I, I went into this assuming I was going to like it and, and I liked it so much more. So, I mean, it, it, it just I had high expectations and it blew those out of the water for me. I absolutely love this movie. I loved I see. I was worried that they were just going to try to go Django and chain Tarantino with this. And and they didn't. I mean, this this movie has its own fucking style and and presentation. I, I, I really dug it. And the cast is phenomenal. Janine, what would you think about the How Did They Fall? This movie's a Tupperware. Um, yeah, it was also one of the most, it was one of my favorite things that I watched this week. Um, yeah, the cast was amazing. It had that Tarantino-esque violence and blood. Um, and just, I, I I loved it. Like, it felt like the, the newer, updated um, Magnificent Seven that came out in, like, 2016, which I'm, like, absolutely obsessed with that movie. I love it so much. It had, it, it was like that movie, but remade by Tarantino. And then Samuel L. Jackson wrote the script because there were so many motherfuckers dropped in the script. <laughs> um, and I love the character of Cuffy. Like, honestly, Cuffy was my favorite character because they were so ambiguous. They were so androgynous, I should say. Um, 
And they were just so well done. Zazie Beats was great. Idris Elba just oozes charisma and swagger. And just the second he comes on screen, it's like, yeah, he's the bad guy, but I really don't care. Um, just, I loved it. I loved it from start to finish. I was engrossed. I have already recommended it to like three different people to watch it. It's a Tupperware. I love yeah. It. I thought Delroy Lindo was fantastic in this as well. I thought he, I thought he was really, really fucking good. Yeah, I, it's, uh, I guess my biggest gripe with this movie is the fact that I wasn't able to see it in a movie theater. Yeah. It would have been amazing. The sound is so good in this movie. I would have loved to have heard it on that. Yeah. That's my biggest gripe with this movie is that I could not experience this in a movie theater. I don't know if Netflix, uh, played this in any theaters because I know that there's a movie you're going to be talking about a little bit later that I that is a Netflix movie that I did get to experience in the theater, but I didn't get to experience this in the theater. Um, but yeah, this is something that you should be watching. This is like, this makes your Netflix subscription worth it. The harder they fall. Fantastic fucking Western and great cast. I fucking love this movie. Swap shop, swap, swap shop. Did you guys, (laughs) did you guys watch swap shop? Um, who, who watched what? How, Jake, I'm curious, how many episodes of Swap Shop did you watch? One and a half. I figured. Joe? Just one. I figured as much. And Janine? I think I watched three, actually. I fucking love Janine. Um, I watched... <laughs> <laughs> I... I'm a big fan of Storage Wars and uh, Pawn Shop and all these fucking shows like this. And uh, I watched uh, th- this is a six episode first season of Swap Shop. I watched four <laughs> episodes of Swap, <laughs> of Swap Shop on Netflix. Basically, it's a it's a there's a radio station in um, in Tennessee where they play this uh, radio program uh, Monday through Friday in the morning called Swap Shop. And it's, uh, they talk about, uh, you know, people call in and they say what they're, what they're, what they're selling. They're either selling it for cash or you, or, or you, sometimes you can, you know, swap what you have for like what they're selling. And if you're in the Tennessee area, uh, you can drive to these people's businesses or homes and buy whatever the fuck they're selling. And, uh, they act like, here's, they act like, they act like the uh, the swap shop is so important. This radio station is such a fucking it's such a resource. Like I could never I could never buy these things if it wasn't for swap shop. And I'm just thinking to myself, have you ever fucking heard of eBay? Have you ever? <laughs> <laughs> They're still listening to the radio. They have not. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Like the. Uh, Here's the thing, like, or Facebook Marketplace, anything. It's ridiculous how they're trying to sell this radio show. But on the flip side, um, I know that a lot of this stuff is, and a lot of the people that they bring on this show, these people, they either own like their own pawn shop or whatever. I, I understand that like a lot of this stuff is like set up. Where they're gonna go to like these different places and they're gonna pick out like what they're gonna buy, whatever. I know it's like all set up and shit on these shows. But I like the history. I like learning about these different things that they're, that they're purchasing. It's same thing with like Pawn Stars. I, I realize that Pawn Stars, there's a lot of, you know, they're playing characters and, and, uh, 
you know, all the people that they, that they bring onto the show that are there to pawn stuff and, and sell stuff or, or, or people there buy, buy stuff. I, I realize it's all set up by the producers and, and, and things like that. I just like the history lesson of like the items that are, you know, being presented. And this is fun. I, I had fun. I had a lot of fun with this show and I really like the two guys that, that own the auto body. I think that they have great personalities and they're a lot of fun. When you get into the fourth episode, they introduce the two guys that own the comic book shop. And I thought that that was really cool. They own a comic book shop called Nirvana comics or something like that. And that was a lot of fun. Um, this is my kind of show. I, 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 I can see that a lot of it is just set up and bullshit from producers, but on the flip side, I like learning about different items. I, um, they, I think it was the third episode. They had the, the two guys that are really interested in like, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties, early two thousands, like vintage clothing, hats, shoes, things yeah, like that. The bands, the shoes. Yeah. Yeah. They're talking about the 85 Jordans and you know, like, yeah, the 85 Jordans are like the holy grail for like, you know, sneakerheads and shit. And I really got a kick out of that. I, I, I'm hooked. I'm hooked on Swap Shop. This is not, I, I can already tell Joe and, and Jake are probably not going to be huge fans of this. I absolutely love it. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to give this the highest of taste it's. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jake, what did you think of Swap Shop? Yeah, it's a low tasted for me. I, I mean, you kind of already spelled out the reasons that I, I didn't care much for it. I, it just was a little bit too overproduced for me. Like, I get it. Um, they all are. All these shows are, Jake. It's like you got, you got to, you just got to buy into the fact that you're, that a lot of this is overproduced. But I'm, I'm actually there to like learn about the items. And if they can present yeah. the items in a fun way, then I'm there for it. So it, it works. Get, it works get, for me. I get that. Um, it just like, it just took too long to get going. Like it was so much like swap shop, talking about swap shop, talking about tuning in the radio. Like it felt like five, 10 minutes before there was even any content. And I was like, <laughs> I was forgiving of that in the first episode because I realized they kind of have to set up the premise. But I was like straight up smacking myself in the face the second episode. I'm like, really? We're going to do this shit again? Like, I have to be reminded about everyone tuning their radio dial to fucking swap shop one more time. I just feel like they could have gotten through the intro in 30 seconds and moved on to the actual content that I find interesting. Um, I might go back and watch episode four. I, I would like to um, see the comic book stuff. Like, that's a little bit more up my alley than the stuff I saw in the first two episodes. Well, I, I'll tell you this. They're not getting comic books. They're going after a vintage arcade machine. Oh, and that it. makes me want to watch it even more. I probably will 100% go ahead and watch episode four, maybe fast forward five minutes to get to the actual content. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I see why you love it. Um, it just, yeah, it just wasn't my thing. It was just a little bit too slickly produced. Dude, I'm all about, I'm all about storage wars. And I know that that is overproduced as fuck, but my God, I'm all about, I'm, I'm all about yeah, storage. I, you work. know, sometimes overproduced is fine and it doesn't bother me as much, but really what really got me was the fact that like the second episode still had to do so much setup. I'm like, why are we bothering with all this setup? It's like, are people just 
watching whatever episode they choose and so they have to do the setup every fucking time like it was just ludicrous i was watching like what they had like a storage wars canadian one a canadian version of storage wars on netflix and i, I was hooked on that shit too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't fault you. I watch a lot of stupid, trashy reality TV, so so I get it. And I, I a lot of times I can stomach like the overproduction and the setup fact, but yeah, I just when I'm not enjoying something in the first place, then everything just kind of adds up and makes me dislike it even more. Joe, yeah, th- this show isn't for me. Um, <laughs> it's actually like I got like halfway through it. I literally said out loud, I'm like, how the fuck is this entertaining for people? Like, <laughs> so it was actually a little enlightening to me when you said that you're, one of your favorite parts of the show is like the, the kind of the story behind the stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that, that is the silver lining because that stuff is interesting, but they lose me with all the other shit. Like, you're like what kind of dumb fuck- motherfuckers getting so excited about garbage and then fucking bartering over it and oh, Jake, the the shit with the radio show, ah, oh, like I, it was too much, and yeah, yeah, this it, it, it wasn't for me at all. For the, I did manage to get all the way through the first episode, but it was still a toss in. I was like, this is this is awful. Now I would love a show that just told me interesting stories about random shit and left all the other bullshit out of it. That would be great. I'd be down for that because I like I like oddities and stuff like that, but. I think you're thinking of Antiques Roadshow. Exactly. Like, something like that I could probably watch. But, like, the shit with the, like, with the bartering and, like, like the, oh, I I, I can't part with it for less than 1300 Well, okay, well, what about 500 And I'm like, oh, oh, this is, this is, this is, it's hurting my brain watching this. So, yeah. <laughs> I love Joe's review. What kind of, what kind of, well, Joe's like, what kind of simpleton fucking moron would love this show? And that was the funniest part. <laughs> hey, I loved Red Notice. No, no judgment here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. And we learned all about the three eggs, didn't we, Joe? <laughs> What you, Janine, what did you think? Um, it's a low taste thing for me. Like, I'm not, um, yeah, like you said, it's in the vein of like, <laughs> Janine's like, like all right, Brian, you're still a moron. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like, like some of the characters are interesting, but it is overproduced. Like, if there was like a marathon of this on USA in the afternoon, like a hundred percent, I would just have it on in the background to watch and tune in kind of every once in a while. But, uh, all I kept thinking about is all the people who like swapped items for just crappier items is like man the hoarders crew is just going to show up to their house in about five or ten years to clear all that shit out because like especially the second episode you had that couple where the wife was like she's all about the oddities and the morbid shit yeah and and she's like oh man this would go in my personal collection and i'm like i bet that 95 percent goes in her personal collection and their house is cluttered as shit and like (laughs) hoarders is just gonna pull up with the cleaning crew and just be like look we watched the show too. You need to you need to clear all this out. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> oh God, you know I don't need your validation, everybody. 
I can still enjoy this show all by myself. This show is for me. <laughs> no, it's show is for you, Brian. I know. I, I'm no. I'm just a sucker for these fucking stupid shows like Storage Wars and and Pawn Stars. I get it. Um, I did. Go, I went to the movie theater this week and I, I watched a movie that I did not put on the list. I, I watched uh, Spencer, which is the uh, Princess Di movie, the Princess uh, Diana movie. Uh, the marriage between Princess Diana and Prince Charles has long since grown cold. Uh, though rumors of affairs and a divorce abound, peace is ordained for the Christmas festivities at the Queen's estate. There's eating and drinking, shooting and hunting. Diana knows the game, but this year things will be profoundly different. Uh, this takes place in December of 1991. It's a biographical, psychological drama directed by Pablo Lorraine and written by Stephen Knight. Stephen Knight, the uh, guy behind Peaky Blinders, and uh taboo uh it stars Kristen Stewart as uh Diana um uh and it's a fictionalized account of Diana's decision to end her marriage to Prince Charles played by Jack Farthing and leave the British royal family Timothy Spall, Sean Harris and Sally Hawkins also star and uh yeah I, I you know I'm not uh I, I'm not too familiar with everything that uh in the royal family, especially in this time period, I, I, you know, I know about the, about, you know, the, uh, the affairs and stuff like that. I know, of course I know about her death. I know about her children. I just, she sold magazines in the nineties and everybody was like all obsessed about the royal family and stuff like that. And, and, uh, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I followed it enough, I feel like I went in at a disadvantage to this movie, not knowing everything. And, uh, but I still, I still liked it. I thought the acting was, you know, really good. I thought, I thought Kristen Stewart was really good. Um, and it, it, it goes over like this three day period of, you know, Christmas Eve and Christmas and, and, um, her confiding in, 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 in her dressers, these people that would dress her for like each like event and, and, um, her, her children are there and they're, uh, they're getting ready to like do like this pheasant hunt where they're going to shoot guns. She doesn't want them to shoot guns and all this stuff. And it goes into the, the, the whole Royal family worried about, you know, paparazzi, you know, learning any information on like really what's going on and, and the troubled relationship she's having with Prince Charles. Um, the movie does show her having hallucinations and things like that. A lot of, the, I would, I would have to do a lot more studying on, on her, um, and watch this again for me to truly appreciate it. But I found it really interesting. Um, you get to look at, uh, uh, I thought the parts of, uh, in the movie that I thought were super interesting were, the the people that were working like in the kitchen and making food for them. It was insane. The, the amount of like, um, people in the kitchen that were making food for the royal family and, and what was going on there and, how she it, did she in real life did did was she was she bulimic do you guys know 
I don't I know. I think she was. Yeah, because that's a big part of this movie. Um, a lot of the stuff was, from what I found out, some of it was embellished. Um, her real bodyguard, this guy Ken Worf, said that she never... From his experience, he ne- she never confided in her dressers, the people that would dress her for, like, these different events. Um, but I, I like the movie. I, I can't really speak too much about it because, I again, I, I mean, I don't know everything about her. I, I It's really intriguing just, like, this, this – they, they – they, it's this, this fucking uh, Christmas – period where she's getting ready to leave him and uh what i did like about the movie is there's moments like with her and her two boys where you could like if these moments actually happen they're really sweet really tender moments and and there's a movie there's a moment at the end of the movie where they all kind of like drive off together her and her and her two sons and um they're listening to the radio and singing along with the song and it's really sweet. So I, you know, as far as the performances go, uh, I'll give it a, I would give this movie a high taste. It, I, I liked it. It's just, I, uh, maybe if you know more about this, you might like it more. Or maybe if you know more about her and her life, you might like it less because you don't think it adds up with what you know. I don't know. It's just, you gotta watch it and find out for yourself. It's, it's, I just think it was really well acted. I think that, uh, she looked, she looked like Diana very much in certain parts of the movie. Um, it's pretty wild. Like the hair, they did her hair and the way she dressed and, and, um, I don't know. I'm not the best person to review this movie, to be quite honest with you, but I did appreciate it for what it was. So. Yeah. yeah, it's getting a lot of buzz. I, I know her performance is really getting a lot of buzz, and people are saying that you know it's Oscar worthy performance yeah. from her. So, yeah, uh, critical reception is pretty good. It's certified fresh, but on the audience side, it's uh, it's at a rotten rating. So, oh wow, yeah, at least last I checked, it was uh, Passing on Netflix. Uh, did you guys get a chance to watch Passing? Yes. Yes. I did not. Fuck you, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, Joe, what what other host says that to a guest on their podcast and can get away with it? Valid question. Doesn't happen a lot, does it? No, and there were two other yeses, and I was the lone no. I was like, this is going to be ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Passing on – this dropped on Netflix. Um, I actually – this is one I actually got to see in the theater. Um, Got to see Passing in the theater actually a day before it dropped on Netflix. Uh, In 1920s New York City, a black woman finds her world upended when her life becomes intertwined with a former former childhood friend who's passing as white. Passing is a black and white drama film written, produced, and directed by Rebecca Hall in her feature directorial debut. The film is based on the 1929 novel of the same name by Nella Larson and refers to African Americans who had skin color light enough to be perceived as white referred to as passing 
The film stars Tessa Thompson, Ruth Nega, Andre Holland, Bill Camp, uh, Jamenka Aknabmi, uh, Antoinette Crow Legacy, and Alexander Skarsgård. And um, this is... This is the best thing that I watched all week, to be quite honest with you. I could not get this out of my brain after I watched this. And I'm glad I saw it in the theater. I I think uh, for a directorial debut, Rebecca Hall did a phenomenal job uh, with this movie. And um, I think the, the choice to make the movie black and white... Uh, was, uh, was, was, was really, was, was a great choice. I, I, I think it really worked in the film. Um, this is one of those movies that like once it's over with, it's got a very ambiguous ending. I don't know about you guys. Did you guys? Yeah. 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 Sure. yeah. Like, I, I think I could like go back and watch the ending again and still not really know a hundred percent like what actually happened at the end, but it, it it's not like because I don't know what happened at the end doesn't make the movie less impactful. It just makes me ask a bunch more questions. So you've got Tessa Thompson in this movie who um, is in New York city and runs into someone from her past that she knew and uh played by Ruth Nega uh who is now living her life as a white woman um she marries uh a man played by Alexander Skarsgård a white man who believes that that she is white so she's and she's had a child and um she ends up meeting Alexander Skarsgård that scene where Alexander Skarsgård starts talking about black people. I was just like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It feels like it's one movie. And then you get to that scene and he stopped, he starts talking about like his hate for black people. And you're just like, Oh my God, this movie just took a really fucking crazy turn. It's like the movie just smacks you across the face at that point in time. And, um, it's a really, uh, sickening, uh, scene. But this, but Ruth Negga's character is, she has, um, basically been living as a white woman for so long that she misses, she, she misses, she misses hanging out with, um, the black people and the culture that she grew up with. So she starts to f- try to like reform like a friendship with Tessa Thompson and secretly starts hanging out with her. Um, Tessa Thompson actually, uh, in her own way, when she first is met by Ruth Nega and Alexander Skarsgård, she, she passes as a white woman to them in that moment because of the way she's kind of dressed and she's hanging her head down and, and the hat that she's wearing. But Ruth Nega starts to hang out with her and, and uh we just go through like i don't want to get too much in this movie because i don't want to spoil it to be quite honest with you but um jake what did you think about passing 
Uh, it was a very, very high tasted for me. I, I thought it was really good. I thought it was directed really well, acted really well. Um, I thought the choice to do it in black and white was a very smart choice and really added a lot to the movie. I think sometimes they make movies black and white just to do it. Like it's kind of a pretentious thing. And I think this movie did not suffer from that. Like you can clearly see why they made that decision to, to do it in black and white. And it really did impact how I felt about the characters and the story they were telling me. Um, what kept this from being a Tupperware for me? And I mean, take this with a grain of salt i mean to each their own but i thought the um jealousy romance storyline that happened was a little bit forced and unbelievable for me and it, it kind of took me out of the movie like the the themes and the focus of everything else was so impactful and i just never bought that angle that the movie tried to sell me and i also did what what what, what what jealousy what are you talking about i just want to um well, I don't want to spoil, but like the main character develops jealousy issues about her husband. Uh, and I, I didn't, I never really. I think you can take passing that. as like a. I think you can take the word passing in this uh, many different ways when you watch this movie. Not only is it passing as far as like, you know, passing as white. You can also take passing as was Tessa Thompson's character trying to pass as straight when in all actuality she's gay. A hundred percent that that was going to be part of my review is yeah, passing I, I had so many layers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not just passing as far as like black and white, but it's also passing as far as like, you know who you're attracted to. And I think that Tessa Thompson's character was not pass. She was passing a straight but in all actuality she was gay so okay and and so her feelings were just like they came from a place of her just not being comfortable with who she was it wasn't jealousy over her husband having a friendship with ruth nega's character and her being jealous of her of her husband possibly having feelings for this woman it was the fact that she had feelings for this woman okay okay i can see that i i I didn't quite pick up on that while i was watching it but i that makes a lot of sense um but yeah i just that storyline just kind of came out of nowhere for me um and i i also wasn't the biggest fan of the ending and how ambiguous it was i i had to rewind a certain scene about 12 times before I finally just gave up and decided I'm never going to fully understand what happened there. And uh, I don't know. I didn't care for that. I wanted to 100% know what happened. I um, actually, I, I thought it added so much more to the movie and it opened it up for discussion and it makes you want to like actually read the book to figure out like, okay, does the book, does the book give you the answers? Like I, I think it really, yeah opens up for some really good discussion. Um, Janine, what did you think? Oh, go ahead, Jake. I'm sorry. I was, I do, I do agree. Like that's, I did like the movie was so like, I was so into it that that's the reason I rewound 12 times was it was like, Oh my God, I got to know what happened here. And say, yeah, I I agree with that point. Like I, I would like to read more and read like a definitive, like what really happened there? What was the cause of why that happened? Um, it was just so startling. 
but I, I thought this was a very good movie. It, it is a must see if you have Netflix. I mean, it is the highest of taste. It's, it, it just wasn't quite the Tupperware for me. It's a 100% Tupperware for me. This is like one of the best, uh, Netflix films I've ever seen. And I think it's one of the best acted, uh, movies I've ever seen. I, like, I knew Tessa Thompson was phenomenal, but Ruth Negga was fucking amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janine, what'd you think? Yeah, actually, I'm going to Tupperware this movie, too. Um, and, yeah, Passing felt like it had so many layers, like, as the title. Like, you know, yes, she's passing as white, and Tessa Thompson, to a degree, passes as white, especially when she's shopping in the in the beginning of the movie. She's passing as straight, I felt. There was a lot of sexual tension between her, between Rini and Claire, like, yeah. just from right off the bat, just I felt the electric the electricity between them and then also just the passing that she's happy like you know she she sleeps a lot throughout the movie it looks like she's taking sleeping pills at points um probably back then it's probably like fucking like opioids and stuff yeah pretty much like and the way that she has to like almost convince herself that she's happy with her life like there's so many layers to the word passing for me that I saw throughout this movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the ending is super ambiguous, but I kind of feel like an earlier scene kind of telegraphs what might have really happened. But again, I don't want to say anything to spoil for people to watch because you 100% should watch this. Yeah. Um, but also I want to read the book because does that explain it more? Right. But, I mean – the, the one thing that kept coming up, like the one word to describe it, and I don't like to use this word a lot, but it's like it was sumptuous. It was filmed deliciously like it like that's the only way I can really describe this movie. It, it just felt like an experience. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca Hall, I'm not familiar with anything she's ever done. This is her feature directorial debut, but like anything that she does in the future, I'm definitely going to be down to watch. This is really. Yeah, this is this is really good. This is really, really good. Like th- this was my favorite thing that we watched this week. This is like, it just really made me think at the end of the movie. It made me ask questions and, and yeah. uh, it's one that I'll definitely be watching again. You know? Yeah. You think of like black and white movies and, you know, especially like modern day black and white movies, you got like Schindler's list and <laughs> clerks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Jake's right is that it could definitely have come across as really pretentious as yeah. like trying to be this art house piece, but it definitely did not feel that way at all. It worked in this, it worked in Roma, and so yeah, th- you gotta watch Passing. This is, this is phenomenal. I think, you know, I loved, uh, Ruth Nega in, um, Preacher. I thought she was really good in that. I've always been a fan of Tessa Thompson. Yeah. And so, yeah, Passing, it's, uh, Phenomenal, phenomenal film. Some some great acting here. Uh, final thing in Good Pop, Bad Pop that I want to talk about is Finch on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, new Tom Hanks movie, a robot that lives on a post-apocalyptic Earth, which was built to protect the life of his dying creator's beloved dog. It learns about love, friendship, and the meaning of human life. Finch is a post-apocalyptic science fiction drama directed by Miguel Sapachnik. From a script written by Craig Luck and Evor Powell, stars Tom Hanks and Caleb Landry Jones plays Jeff the Robot. Caleb Landry Jones also played Banshee in X-Men First Class. Oh. 
that. Now, the more you know. Uh, <laughs> what did you think about uh, Finch? J- uh, Joe, did you watch this one? Yeah, I did. All right. What did you think about Finch? I loved this movie. It was – I went into it a little bit apprehensive. I, w- I wasn't sure – um, you know, ultimately what I was going to think of it, I, I kind of liked the idea for the premise, but, you know, be, being just kind of a, a, essentially kind of a one man production. I mean, he, he's really the only, you know, Tom Hanks is really the only human <laughs> actor that we, we get in this. And it really worked for me. I, I really liked how they sold the, um, the kind of apocalyptic future aspect to it. They definitely did it in a, a less is more sense in, in terms of giving us the story of what happened. And I feel like it really worked the way they did it. Um, man, for, for just a, a movie with a, a guy, a, a robot and a dog. I mean, this movie brought a lot of humanity to it. Um, the, the, the last 10 minutes of this movie, I was just crying my eyes out. Um, like it was, it was very emotionally cathartic to watch this movie for me. I had, there was a, a few days this week that were pretty rough for me, like, you know, and, and so I, I don't know if, if this movie just cleaned all that out for me or what it was, but it definitely had a very emotional response for me at the end of this. Um, I loved all the effects in it. The, all the weather effects in it were very good. Uh, the, just the way that they are portrayed the, the earth with all the ozone layer gone. It's just, it, it was it was believable enough to me to be very very frightening oh god <laughs> when he way. when he would put his hand out in the sun it would just start to fry like an egg on like a, a vampire right? yeah I mean, like just, a vampire was, yeah yeah i mean just how horrible and, and when he said you know that you know the, with that happening with the ozone layers gone you know, like there's no more feeling like going outside and closing your eyes and feeling the sun hitting your face or or you know just all those little simple pleasures that you you take in in being you know a a living person on this planet and everything's different now and how it brings in the fact that you know you can't trust any people that you might run into because everybody's starving and looking out for themselves and uh, just the the lessons that he's kind of teaching this robot and and just the fact that he's he's like building a robot to to care for his dog and and just uh, the the I, man, this movie just really, really worked for me, and 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 I went into it just very, very apprehensive. I, I wasn't sure, and god damn, it clicked for me. This was this was an absolute Tupperware, and I don't know, Tom Tom Hanks, man, <laughs> he fucking did it for me because I was a mess at the end of this. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a it's it's a movie where the ozone lo- ozone layer has been basically stripped, and so. Um, you know, the temperature outside is just like, it's, it's ridiculous and you can't survive unless you have some sort of like suit on. Um, and resources are very limited and most of the population has been wiped out. And, um, there's a, he, he has a dog and, um, he knows that he's going to die. And so he makes this artificial intelligence and stalls the artificial intelligence into this robot that has a like a like a human body and after he dies he wants this he wants this robot to take care of this dog and uh there's 
but it does open up a lot more. You get to learn a lot more of like where this dog came from and, and, and everything. And, you know, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil too much in this movie. Um, but I think it just like, it hits all those beats that, you know, like of, of, uh, you know, cause I love animals and, and, um, it, I think it really does a great job of exploring like new art, like artificial intelligence coming into this world with, uh, um, and, and trying to learn how to be human and what, it, what it means to be human and what it means to care for something. And, um, it's a really sweet movie. I think this, I think it works on a lot of levels. Um, I loved it too, Joe. I, I I'm going to give it a Tupperware. Um, Janine, what did you think? Oh, this movie was hard to watch. <laughs> but I loved it. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to get a little emotional. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, towards the end, when Tom Hanks was really sick, it just kind of looked like my dad. Oh. <laughs> So, like, this movie's a Tupperware, but I'll never watch it again. Yeah. 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 Well, Jake, Jake, what did you think? Yeah, it was an absolute Tupperware for me as well. Um, I, I just really got caught up into it. Um, like, like Joe and Janine, and I mean, I don't know about you, Brian, but I, I was, like, sobbing and heaving at the end of this movie. I, I really did not expect to go through the kind of the emotional ringer when I was watching this movie, but yeah, I just really fell in love with Jeff and the relationship that Finch and Jeff had. And, and, you know, I loved Goodyear too. And just, there were so many scenes in this movie that, that really touched me. I'm usually not the biggest fan of these like post-apocalyptic, but we're going to be very vague for a while about, about like why we're in this state movies. But I thought in this movie, it really worked. And I thought they did, did a good job of explaining why they were where they were without like beating you over the head with it. I, I thought it was very subtle and very well done on that aspect. Um, Tom Hanks is just a treasure. I, his performance was just so good for me in this movie. Um, the scene where he's telling Jeff the story about the encounter he has at the supermarket with the mother and daughter, that scene really shook yeah. me up as well. Um, yeah, this, this kind of, this kind of blew me away. I, I, I saw the trailer for this and was not impressed. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch it. Cause it's a big budget Apple TV thing. I do like this kind of sci-fi flair. You know, I love me some Tom Hanks, but I was kind of not expecting much. And, was really just taken aback at, at how much I liked this movie. I, I watched this by myself and I, I told Michelle she has to watch this movie. Like I, you just, at some point in the next couple of weeks, you have to see this. I mean, it, it was a must see. I, one of the best like original movies Apple TV plus has done so far, I think. Um, yeah, this was just so fucking good. To be fair, I want to point out that Joe told us off air that he fucking cried at the end of Red Notice as well. So I just want listeners to <laughs> full on ugly crying. <laughs> you, Joe, Joe at full snot crying. With he, went check, yeah, he went to check if Red Notice Two was out already. He saw that it hadn't even been greenlit yet, and just started uncontrollably sobbing. It was just too much for me. <laughs> Joe, you you're a big crier. 
<laughs> I do. I cry like Kevin Smith, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, if this, if they fucking name this robot, then there's a part in the movie where the robot is, <laughs> is gonna name himself, and I'm like, if they name this fucking robot Wilson, I'm gonna just lose my shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> There were definite shades of Castaway in this movie. And, oh, God. Um, but this is another movie that I've already recommended to several people to watch. Um, it is really amazing. Tom Hanks is just incredible. Um, the robot Jeff, when he first is, like, brought to life, like, he kind of sounds like Borat at first. He does! Yes, he does! <laughs> I thought I thought that they cast... I thought, they, I thought Sasha Baron Cohen was cast as this fucking robot. <laughs> Right? <laughs> and then his hands kind of look like Muppet hands, so I was like, he's adorable. Like, I love this robot. And, you know, it definitely becomes like this father-son dynamic. And the other robot that he has, Dewey, is like his second child. Yeah. And, um, did you did you yeah, read the did you read the credits for like the actors in this? They had for Dewey, they had Seamus. So I'm thinking that that is a real robot named Seamus. Oh, oh my cool. gosh. Nice. I think that the Dewey robot is an actual robot named Seamus, but I can't confirm that. But like, if you go to like IMDb or Wikipedia, they have the Dewey robot listed as just Seamus, no last name. So I'm thinking, is that, was that a real robot that was, that they threw into this movie? And I'm, I'm thinking that's probably the case here. Oh wow. Interesting name choice for a robot. They run on corned beef and cabbage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's breaking viewership records for Apple, this movie. Uh, insiders, this is from Cinema Blend. Insiders from Apple TV Plus Camp reportedly spoke with Deadline, telling the outlet that Finch's debut was the most watched film in the platform's history. What's more, apparently the largest opening weekend for an Apple original saw the number of viewers double from those shown on opening day. It looks like another win can be chalked up to the partnership of Apple TV Plus and Tom Hanks. And they're referring to his first uh, Apple TV Plus movie, uh, Greyhound, which was picked up by Apple TV Plus. So, yeah, uh, Apple TV Plus has been working out really well for Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah, I really dug this movie. Finch is really good. My mom, who does not give a shit about fucking robots and science fiction and post <laughs> and post apocalypse, I it's just I think like older people love Tom Hanks. It doesn't matter what he's in; they just love Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks is he gives off he gives off like this pheromone that gives that gets older people's get some fucking horny for his movies or something. It's weird. <laughs> my mom does not care about... Fu my dad watches Walking Dead, but my mom doesn't give a fuck about zombies or science fiction. Like, Dune? My Joe, you would have to fucking put a gun to my mom's head to make her watch Dune. But she watched Finch and she fucking loved it because it had a goddamn dog in it. Like, did you tell her about Duncan Idaho? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. 
Skankster's fuck news, Jake. Always is. It is. Uh, news from Screen Rant. Fast and Furious 10. Vin Diesel asks Dwayne Johnson to return for the sequel. It appears that as the Fast and Furious franchise is coming to an end, they want to bring Johnson back for the finale. Diesel posted on his Instagram a photo of the two in Fast Five, publicly asking for Johnson to return for Fast and Furious 10. Diesel appears to play off a sense of family, letting Johnson know that his children call him Uncle Dwayne, and wanting to make the next film would be a fitting end for the franchise star Paul Walker, who passed away in 2013 in the middle of filming Furious 7. Vin Diesel, this is what he said on Instagram, My little brother Dwayne, the time has come. The world awaits. Now, my little brother Dwayne. The time is <laughs> The world awaits the final of the first ten. I'm sorry. I apologize. As you know, my children are feeling... <laughs> sorry, that's the, that's, the be- that's the best Vin Diesel you're going to get at. My little brother Dwayne, the time has come. The world awaits the final, the finale of Fast 10. As you know, my children refer to you as Uncle Dwayne in my house. There's not a holiday that goes by that they and you don't send well wishes. But the time has come. Legacy awaits. I told you years ago that I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. I swore that we would reach and manifest the best fast in the finale that is 10. I say this out of love, but you must show up. Do not leave the franchise idle. You have a very important role to play. Hobbs can't be played by no other. I hope that you rise to the occasion and fulfill your destiny. Wow. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, when I read the headline that Vin Diesel basically is apologizing here and, and asking Dwayne Johnson to return for the sequel, um, I, and I'm sure it all comes down to, you know, box office and all this stuff, but still, like, this is two men... This is two men that are fucking, they, they've been feuding over the past few years. And, you know, like, for one, you know, for one of these guys to basically put aside their egos, cause it is, it is, it, it's Vin Diesel at this moment putting aside his ego. And I'm, yeah, you can say, yeah, you know, here's the thing. No matter what, Vin Diesel's gonna get fucking paid. Vin Diesel's gonna be in the fucking, he's gonna be in Fast Time. But on the flip side, I think like this is him saying, like, I know that the next movie's gonna, it's not gonna be as good without you in it. And we just need to put aside our differences and we need to fucking give this to the fans and we need to fucking do this for Paul. I think it took a lot. I think it took a lot for him to fucking do this. And. Go ahead, Jake. I was going to say, I, I agree with that completely. I, I, you know, to invoke his children and to talk about how much his children love Dwayne. And, um, I think it took a lot of humility. I mean, you've seen Fast and the Furious part eight. They were, they hated each other so much that they couldn't even film scenes together. There is not a single scene in that movie that has both those two actors in it at the same time. And they had to rewrite it just to make it like that because there was so much fucking, you know, 
back and forth between the two on set that eventually they were just like, okay, you two can't even be in the same scene on the set on the same day. And they had to like kind of rework the movie to make it like that, which is kind of ridiculous. So, you know, it's hard to say who's at fault here, but I, but I agree. I think it took a lot of humility and um, I think it's more than just he wants to make as much money as possible. He's going to fucking – he's he's getting paid at the end of the day regardless. So this and is fast, – And Fast 10 is going to be a blockbuster regardless as well. Yes. With or without yeah. with or without Hobbs, it's going to make a shit ton of money. So um, – but, I, man, I do hope he comes back. I, I mean we talked about it when we reviewed Fast 9. He, he was sorely missed. Yes. Um. I was upset that when we found out he wasn't going to be in 10 or 11, which are being kind of advertised as the final two movies, it just doesn't feel like closure without that character. I mean, I know they're probably going to do Hobbs and Shaw 2. That's been greenlit and and coming at some point, but that's not the same. That's not not closure for the, for the fast franchise. Yeah. So man, I hope they work something out. I, I love the Hobbs character and, um, yeah, it really. I think eight really suffered with them not being able to be in the same room in the same scene at the same time. Like F nine, F nine fucking suffered because we didn't get him in that as well. It, yeah, it's not weird though. Like he's just gone, which is less weird than like why can't they ever even be on the same like shot together? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. F9 has other problems, in my opinion. Yeah, the biggest problem of F9 is not the lack of Hobbs, though it would have helped. It's still, um, it still had its own issues. Yeah. I think this is a, I think this is a, a dude putting his ego aside. He didn't have to do this. This movie's getting made, and this movie's getting made anyway. He didn't have to do this. This is fucking, this is like, this is like Vin Diesel listening to the fans. And remembering Paul, and you can say you can say, you can say that it's just fucking oh it's just it's fucking it's to make more money and all this bullshit and blah 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 blah. He's getting paid anyway. Vin Diesel's getting paid anyway. He didn't have to do this. This is these are two fucking these are two fucking men. Probably combined have more testosterone than anyone on this podcast. <laughs> Easily, yeah, and. And Vin Diesel's putting that aside and saying, fuck it. You know, like, I'm going to step up and, and we need you back. We need you back. Like, and Vin Diesel's got a big ego. You know he does. And, and, and for him to come out and say, yeah, we need you back and, and the fans need you back. Let's do this for Paul. I think that it, it's a big deal. Um, Janine. Uh, then he watched Red Notice and saw the cat's joke and was like, yeah, fuck you, rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Joe watched Red Notice and, okay, all right. <laughs> Janine, what did, did you, you read this news, your thoughts? I mean, I'm all for the rock returning and yeah. it is, it feels mildly manipulative to invoke Paul Walker, um, especially since his daughter recently got married and Vin Diesel walked her down the aisle. So it feels a little bit like he's piggybacking off of that that moment that happened on social media um, to kind of it feels a little manipulative, I'll be honest, Um, because, yeah, he's going to get paid either way. I think he also knows that the fans want The Rock 
to be in it. I, I like Hobbs in the series. Hobbs and Shaw was fun. I've rewatched that movie like, gosh, like 20 times. Like, it's just so great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm all for The Rock showing back up in the in the Fast and Furious franchise, but um, it does feel a little manipulative. To but me. you got to say, um, let, let me throw this out to you, Janine. Hear the hear the, hear me out here. Mm-hmm. Even I know these are big stars. These are big stars. Vin Diesel, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. These are big stars. But we're all humans. No matter no matter you know what I mean. Like like at the end of the day. We're all humans. Vin Diesel's human. We're all humans. And Mm -hmm. to carry this kind of like, to carry this kind of like anger and resentment until the day you die over somebody, it's not healthy. It's not. There's, there's, no, that's true. There's gotta be a, you know what I mean? There's gotta be like some sort of like, you can agree not to, you know, you can agree to disagree. You can agree not to like, I don't love everything about this person, but like, there's something, there's something therapeutic and, and good about just setting aside your differences and making something that people love and maybe trying to find like, you know, like something that you can, he, maybe he's just throwing it out there because that's the one thing that he, Thinks that they both can kind of connect to is their love for Paul Walker. Mm. Does that make sense? You know, like it. Yeah, no, I can see that. I mean, I guess I don't, I know what you're saying, but man, at the end of the day, I don't want it to think, I don't want to think about this as some sort of like manipulative thing about Vin Diesel. I want to think like this is maybe Vin Diesel trying to want to do some healing between two men and then also like, Show other men that it's okay to forgive. I don't. That's true. I, I like looking at through it through that angle, um, through that lens. Or is me- that it's less, you know, it's more just extending this olive branch. And yeah, because yeah, carrying hate towards someone, it's you know, it's it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Like it doesn't, right? It doesn't work that way. Um, but yeah, no, you're. I can see it that way too. Yeah. Yeah. Joe. I can see both sides of this. Um, when I first read it, like I, I did feel like a little bit of what Janine was saying with the manipulative stuff, but I, I think it was more just me being, um, (laughs) just reading it and just kind of like putting that on it more myself. Um, because really to, It'd be one thing for for Vin Diesel to just send that like as a text message directly to the Rock, but to actually put it in a place where everybody on the world can can see it, I think that does really show that he's setting his ego aside and he is being humble and and kind of putting it all out there and saying, you know, hey man, I'm I'm humbly apologizing and asking and I'm doing it here in this public place, and you know, the Rock's a, enough of a stand up guy that you know maybe maybe it'll work. I. I, I would love to see him come back because, yeah, Fast 9, it was, uh, you know, of all the problems it had, you know, not having The Rock in it was was one of them. Yeah. And, and it would be great to see him come back. And and quite honestly, I mean, I love the guy in almost everything I see him in. And he was, the Hobbs character is just fantastic. And to the, the thought of finishing out that franchise and not getting any more of that character back, you know, that would be a tremendous loss. So I really hope they can patch it up. 
Um, you know, ultimately, you know, all of our takes on this, you know, is one thing, but the, the one person whose take on this really matters is the rock. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what his response to this is going to be because he's a class act guy. And, and I can only imagine that, that this is that first step on the, on the road to them, you know, patching things up. I hope so. I really do. Janine, I'm not trying to, Really, I'm not trying to discount what you're saying because I, I do think I, well, I I really do think that what you're saying makes. I guess I'm trying to look at just like the positive side of it, but yeah, I yeah. but and I, I see I all like you're trying to discount me at all. I feel like you know no I feel like you're definitely onto something. Like it definitely can be taken that way that it is manipulative. Like he's he's putting it out there this way to where. You know, Dwayne Johnson at this point, like if he says fuck you, it's like it's like it's like <laughs> he's the bad guy at that point, right? Like No, yeah. And, and like Joe said, you know, putting this in the public forum, it does put that pressure on Dwayne Johnson it does. to say yes. And know, whereas it, if he had just sent a text message, like it's private between men. Yes. And they can just do the press junkets together. Yeah. Um so yeah, there is that like and pressure that's invoking the name of Paul Walker as well. Yeah. Yeah. I get yeah. it. I get it. I get it. A hundred percent. Yeah. I just, at the end of the day, I, I hope that the, I hope at the end of the day that both of these guys can just fucking put all this bullshit aside and hug it out. I but, really and I hope do. So too. I would love to see them end the franchise with basically everyone who's still, like alive to just be in this movie yeah. um, and just end out the franchise on a, on a great note. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, predator reboot news, uh, from dark horizons as part of the Disney plus day celebrations today, it has been announced that Prey, the next chapter in the predator franchise will launch exclusively on Hulu in the U.S. and on Star within the Disney Plus service internationally in the summer of 2022. The film is being directed by Dan Trachtenberg of uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane and is set in the world of the Comanche nation three centuries ago. The story follows Naru, a skilled hunter who fiercely protects her tribe and wants to prove her worth as a warrior. She gets her chance when she comes face to face with the most dangerous hunter of all, the otherworldly predator at present. It's not certain if the film will get a theatrical release. So yeah, we got the, uh, got the official title of the movie. It's being called Prey. So all the other, Jake, all the other movies were called Predator, referring to the alien. Now, the title is Prey. So clever. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, uh, not they're not pulling any punches here, Jake. No, no, no. I I think this is a wise decision. I I love Dan Trachtenberg. I do too. Um, I do too. And, and I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping he can finally pull off a, a decent kind of Predator reboot sequel, whatever we're calling it this time. Yeah. Um. You know, I'll be there for it. I'll watch it day one on Hulu. Um, but it's like, man, if it's fucking kick ass, I'm just going to be mad that I didn't get to see it in the theater. Uh, 
All right, yeah, Joe. What what are your thoughts on on this? I am hesitantly holding my breath. Um, I I really haven't seen a Predator movie that that I really really enjoyed since the first one. Um, I I kind of like the concept for this. It's and that, that's kind of interesting. At least that's going to be set way back in the past. So maybe they'll be able to do some different stuff that that we haven't previously seen. But ultimately. I mean, the story's just got to be there to to make it work, and you know, it, it being on Disney Plus, it's uh, it's, uh, it's on Hulu. It, it's on Hulu. 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 Okay, so I mean, yeah, kind of like what Jake said. Like, if it ends up being epic, it's like, oh, it's gonna be too bad that we didn't get to see it on a big screen. But if it ends up being a turd, then I mean, hey, at least you didn't <laughs> waste extra money to go see it in the theater. Yeah, we got Amber. <laughs> Amber Mid Thunder from Legion plays Naru, and I uh, loved her in Legion. I loved her in Legion. Janine, are you a big fan of the uh, of of uh, the Predator franchise? And when I when I say that, I'm, I'm probably just asking you: Are you a fan of the first movie? I am. I oh. actually even like the second movie. Ah, the um, Danny Glover. Movie. Yeah, I actually do like that one too. Um and I've seen actually all the iterations of the Predator movie and honestly Predator versus Alien, I will fight you. I love that movie. I probably rewatched <laughs> oh, it a million no. times. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. Care? The pre- yeah. uh, a- <laughs> the first Aliens versus Predator, if I take that against the second one, it is much better. Like the second yes. one is terrible. Yes. Um, Compared to the second one, the first one. Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah, it's love it. it's way better. Um, yeah. But again, I am a connoisseur of bad films, so you know, take my opinion with a grain of salt, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm I I'm also hesitantly excited um, because I did like Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um, so this director being attached is exciting, but yeah. again, like if it's a turd, I'll be grateful I didn't have to pay for it, but if it's awesome, I'm going to be like, man, this should have been in the movie theaters. Um, but I mean, this honestly just with everything going on, this may be our new normal is that movies are just going to drop on streaming. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm whelmed by the news in all honesty. Yeah. I, uh, Yeah, I think I love Dan Trachtenberg. I think this is going to be a turd. I'm not. Ex- <laughs> I'm not excited at all for Prey at all. Like I, I like I, I, I like Amber Mid Thunder quite a bit, but I, I think this movie is going to be a. Uh, I think it's going to be terrible. I think it's going to be terrible. I, I think I think. <laughs> Bold <laughs> prediction. <laughs> Listen, Jake, here's the thing. Okay, you've got, in the first movie, you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger and all these fucking muscled-up, oily, fucking ripped boys, right? Yeah. Taking on a predator. They've got machine guns and grenades and everything at their disposal. I don't... This movie, they're going back like 300 fucking years, and... She, you know, it's uh, the the predator's going to be taken on, you know, Amber Mid Thunder, Native American, and she doesn't have machine guns, she doesn't have grenades, she doesn't have all this shit. So, 
is it is it going to make the predator that much weaker when she fucking dis- like defeats the thing cuz she's going to defeat it she's going to defeat it she's going to beat it spoiler she's going to beat this thing does it make that predator weaker or does it make arnold schwarzenegger and all the muscle oily boys that much more pussies <laughs> do you see what i'm saying <laughs> like it doesn't yeah, yeah. it don't work it doesn't work it doesn't work in my opinion it's either going to make the predator weaker because I don't care, man. I don't care what you say. I don't care fucking if Arnold Schwarzenegger goes after this thing with a goddamn bow and arrow. It don't matter. It doesn't matter who goes after this thing. If they're just going after it with a bow and arrow, it makes, if you can take the predator out with a bow and arrow, this thing's a pussy. <laughs> I'm well, sorry. All sorts of like snares and stuff like that that they could make. Also, it's just they're doing the Home Alone bullshit that they did in the first movie, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say because I mean, because didn't Schwarzenegger do at this point? Why don't they just have fucking? Also? Why don't they just have Kevin McAllister defeat this thing at Christmas time? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's trying to break into his house and he has the prep time, it's either it's either the it, it, you're either making the statement that fucking. Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and, and Jesse Ventura and all these motherfuckers are pussies because they had all the weapons at their disposal and they couldn't beat this thing. Or the fact that this predator is not as fucking dominant as the first one because it gets beat by somebody wielding a bow and arrow. <laughs> I, just, I just don't, I don't understand what they're doing here, man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> maybe it's brain over brawn. Maybe, yeah, because she does have home court advantage, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If this is the predator's first time on Earth, she has home court advantage. And these are also soldiers that were used to fighting other humans, and so you know where they're pointing their guns. You know, like like that, that that scene where Jesse Ventura like fires that minigun and takes out the whole jungle. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but it's all like ground level. Predators watching from up above. Right. So I mean, you know, I think that home that home field advantage could be huge in this, but I get where you're saying with the 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 deficiency in technology three hundred years ago versus today. That's it, but- man. I can understand. If they want to have fucking Amber Mid Thunder Playing somebody that's carrying a machine gun and she's going up against a predator. I can get that, man. She's got a goddamn bow and arrow, dude. I mean, I don't, Maybe dude. I had a scene like from classic Star Trek where like Kirk makes like a grenade launcher out of like a bamboo holder. <laughs> like maybe we'll have a scene like that. I, I think ancient hunters had to be pretty fucking tough and innovative though. Can you imagine how hard it would be? To take down any sort of large size prey just with like stone tip weapons? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, okay, think about this. Think about really this. really fucking way more difficult than with a gun. Do you remember the scene from oh, the, yeah. do you remember the scene from The Last Samurai, the fucking Tom Cruise movie where they fucking, they, the, the samurai are getting ready to battle and shit and they're like, there's like, they got that fucking like chain gun and they're just mowing these samurai down? Well, yeah, that's what happens when you go up against a 
that's what happens when you come into a gunfight with a knife and you're trying to go. Well, that's what happens when you, you go. Sneak that's what happens tactic. when you fight a predator and you got a goddamn bow and arrow. <laughs> she might know sneaky guerrilla tactics, especially if they have a talented writer that can actually write a script that makes you believe this shit. It's a fuck. This thing all hinges on. It's if a, you don't have the writing there. It's gonna yeah. Fucking, it's gonna flop big time because just with the premise. I mean, look how many holes you've been able to poke just in the premise. So yeah. if that writing's not there, you're gonna be able to poke some massive holes in that. And it's Dude, fall I know flat. it's Dan Trachtenberg. I I think Dan Trachtenberg's phenomenal. Didn't he write? Didn't he write and direct some episode of the of the boys as well? Hmm, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, yeah. He was set to direct like the first episode when Seth Rogen dropped out, and then he was also attached to the Why the Last Man movie before that was scrapped. Yeah, Dan Trachtenberg directed an episode of um, Black Mirror. There you go, Dan Trachtenberg. I, I mean, Ten Cloverfield Lane. He directed the series premiere of The Boys. I, right. This guy is fucking phenomenal. I mean, I love Dan Trachtenberg. I'm. I don't know, man. Can he pull this off? Can he fucking pull this off? I love this shit because, like, in all honesty, Jake, like, the comic books and stuff like that for the Predator, and they had shit like this, like, where the Predators would go back into the past. Like, we'd learn about the Predators in the past. If he can pull this off, this guy is fucking incredible. He's incredible. If he can pull this off, it's incredible. If he, yeah, I agree with that. It's like kind of the thing that hasn't been able to be done yet. Like make another good Predator movie, dude. Yeah, you know? exactly, it, dude. I but I don't want it to detract from like what I love from the 1987 film as well. I want it to I want it to stand on its own, and I want it to enhance what I what I loved about that movie as well. So it's got a lot on its shoulders right now. So. I'm just also really excited that they're actually using a Native American actress, like, as to represent, like, a Native American woman, instead of just, you know, picking a vaguely ethnic woman to play Native American. Um, so, like, that's, that's, like, a nice step for representation. I'm pretty happy about that. She's great. I loved her in fucking, well, she was, a, she was also the best part of that goddamn fucking Liam Neeson movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, the ice one? Yeah, ice, was it ice road or whatever? Fuck. I forget what, ice truckers. Ice fuckers? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was called, it was the movie where he was the snowplow driver? No, yeah, that, yeah. no, that, yeah, it was called the ice road. Yes, it was the this, ice road. The ice road. He was, yeah, this, he was, uh, they had to drive yeah. these trucks on the, on the ice road. Yeah, Amber Mitha. She was the best part of that fucking movie. <laughs> for sure so yeah alright I don't know I still think it's going to be a turd guys I, you're not talking me out of that I still think it's going to be turd <laughs> it, this movie has to prove to me that it's not a turd because I, I, th I think it's going to be crap I think it's going to be crap I think it's I'm going to got an uphill battle it's, I'm going to wipe my ass with this movie Janine <laughs> <laughs> most likely yes Definitely yeah, a high probably. chance of turds in the forecast. I think it should be. I think it should be titled "Pray" with an A instead of an E, because we all need to pray that this movie's any going to be any fucking good. <laughs> True that. Uh, yeah, it's an uphill battle. All right, let's uh, let's move on into uh, Marvel news. Mar 
Marvel news. All right. Before we move into Marvel news, Janine, talk to me. But <laughs> I know you were you were wanting to talk to us about uh, some funny stories. Uh, I don't know if they're funny. Just some stories about uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're recently single. What's going on? I'm recently in, single. What's going on, on in the match. dating life? Um, you're on Match. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you paying? I am paying. Okay. Um, because, like, honestly, because then I can at least chat to people and I don't have to give my number out right away. And that prevents unsolicited pictures. Um, I like the the um the interface on mash because it's it's strictly text um so yeah i i've been on a few dates i've actually like mostly had really good experiences i've met some decent people that i'm still talking to um i think they're definitely just going to be more friendships than anything else which is also just fantastic i love to have more friends but i did finally have one bad experience so i had one bad date and because there are no innocent parties, I will tell you his name is Adam. Um, <laughs> and honestly, like just to tell on myself, I actually called him the wrong name when I met him <laughs> because I was talking to someone else who had a very similar name. Um, Wait, hold, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. So you got a date with this guy and you know you're going in on a date. When you go in on this date... Did you know his name was Adam or did you just slip up during the date or did you think that you were, so you slipped up going in on the, okay. Okay. Like I kind of like just kind of forgot that he, his name was Adam. I mean, I was also talking to this other dude named Andy. Um, Oh shit. So Adam became Andy on this date. Adam became Andy. And then I was like, ah, fuck. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like it's the first date I know that we're both on match so we're obviously talking to other people like you know please forgive me um yeah, do you think I mean, do you I'm think do you think that Andy is on another podcast right now talking about this date and being like oh my god I went on this date with this girl named Jackie <laughs> <laughs> and she thought my name was was Andy <laughs> I mean, there's a strong possibility. Um, I don't really think so because, uh, I mean, uh, I went on a date with this guy just because he seemed nice, but he was definitely out of my comfort zone of people that I would date. Um, He had like no, we had nothing in common when it came to like the nerd stuff that I'm into. So like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, none of that. That's a huge red flag. Um, Huge red flag. Which is a red flag. Yes. Which is a red flag. And honestly, I put in the Army um, Facebook page that I had to correct him as to who had created um, Batman. And um, and everyone said, red flags, red flags. And I should have listened. I should have listened. I also heard but that I, this, said, I also heard that, uh, that, uh, that Adam enjoyed red notice. <laughs> <laughs> honestly? He has, like, no streaming services at all. Like, honestly, like, who does that? It's so weird. What? I mean, the date was honestly just uneventful. A few times he tried to push my boundaries. I I don't like physical contact without permission. So, like, even just hand-holding, he kept trying to, like, just push my boundaries. And I had to keep reestablishing my boundaries of, like, don't hold my hand yet. I'm not comfortable with this. It's very important to me that you just respect my boundaries. And he pushed a few times throughout the date. Um, and then 
but honestly, the worst part was the day after. Um, we were texting the morning after. And this dude, and I'll be honest, I like to be honest with people. I have like chronic stomach issues. I have IBS. When I first was telling him about it, like he didn't know what the B in IBS stands for, which stands for bowels. Yeah. For just anyone who's listening. He thought it meant bladder. But anyways, the day after the date, he then starts mansplaining to me how my IBS affects me. And I was like, you didn't even know what it was when I first (laughs) told you about it. How are you going to turn around and tell me how it affects my body when I've been living with it since I was 17 years old? And then he gave me a non-apology of like, I'm sorry you took it that way. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, oh, so now you're blocked. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fuck you, Andy. Fuck <laughs> you, Adam. Uh, <laughs> well, now his name is 100% ingrained on my brain. Is that you are Adam and you suck. Um, so, yeah, um, that was honestly the worst part. And, and honestly, like, if that's the worst experience I have, I'm going to be pretty grateful. I've been ghosted a few times other conversation has just gone dry or people just push it to be sexual way too soon. Um, asking me what my bra size is after saying hi. And I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) this is how I know sexuality is not a choice because why am I still attracted to men? (laughs) 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 If a guy is really looking for, a relationship and really wanting to get to know you, he's going to really ask you questions about you, Janine, and he's really going to want to get to know you. He's out there. You'll find him and just, yeah. just keep at it. It'll, yeah. it'll happen when you, I think it happens when you least expect it. I think when you're looking for it, even if you do find someone, it's not always the right, always the right fit. So it, it, it'll happen yeah. when you least expect it sometimes. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like right now, just because I came out of a very committed relationship, that was a long-term relationship, like yeah. very recently, I'm not looking to jump into anything. There you go. You it, know, it, it's probably fast right away. Exactly. It's probably just to like fucking, you know, sometimes you just, <laughs> you just need something to fucking like get your mind off of the other bullshit. You know, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I'll get crude here for a second. It's like, I'm just out there looking to get my pussy. Like that's all. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was the same, same thing for me when I got, okay. When, when I was going through my divorce and once it was finalized, it was just like, holy shit. I just went fucking crazy. Cause like, you know, during that, during, during the marriage and stuff like that, you know, I, when everything was going on and, and I felt, I, I felt really low. And so there were, there were times, you know, after, after the divorce happened where it was just like, I just need to feel, I just need to feel like, you know, somebody fucking wants, wants to be around me. Somebody wants to be with me. So yeah, I went kind of crazy after my divorce, you know? So it just, it's nice to know that other people like, uh, yeah. 
Other people want you. It's good. It's a good exactly. feeling. No, that that's a hundred percent what I'm looking for right now. Yeah. Just, and, I, and I am getting that, like I am getting that validation, which is nice. Um, but again, I'm just not looking for like the serious, like, Oh my gosh, my soulmate is like, yeah. no, a hundred percent. No, <laughs> if it happens, it happens, but that's not exactly, yeah. I get it. I totally yeah, that's get not it. My I've goal. been there, been there. Oh my God. I've been yeah. there. So yeah, I was just saving the mansplaining story for for this podcast. Um, I haven't shared that in the army yet. I think Rebecca is the only one who knows that story because, <laughs> of course, I told her. <laughs> well, keep us posted. Keep us posted. <laughs> I will. I know. I like seriously. I like. I I had had some insane dating stories uh, in the past. I have had <laughs> some insane. Oh. <laughs> I remember this series of the Brian. Oh yeah. Disasters. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> there was like, I think within a, and uh, after my divorce within an 18 month span, uh, I, I went out. No, this is after, not after my divorce. Uh, it was after my, after my, after my last relationship during a span of 18 months, I went out with, uh, I went out, I went out with 24 different women. <laughs> On, on, and yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it got to the point where it was just like, oh my God, dates are expensive. That's why, this is why I can't have nice things because I'm spending them all on these fucking bullshit dates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Oh. All right. Marvel news. Uh, yeah. yeah. Disney plus day happened and, uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, I we got some clips from Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and She Hulk, and I was really not impressed with any of them. To be quite honest with you, that was just my. That's yeah. just me. Yeah, I'm right there with you. We kind of talked about this briefly before we started recording. The whole thing was very underwhelming. Like, if that's the best they could show us, then just don't show us anything yet. Just just hold off. Like, right. I just. These tiny little teases and half views of what characters are going to look like. I, I don't give a shit. Either either wait till the show comes out or show me a trailer when you have one ready. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, there were some cool announcements, that's for sure. Like, I definitely fist pumped about the revival of the 90s X-Men cartoon. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, overall, I just, I, I'm right there with you. I was pretty underwhelmed by most of it. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, the first thought I had when I watched the She-Hulk trailer. I was like, that's it? Yeah. This is it? Why? And then I'd watch the Moon Knight one, and I was like, what the fuck is – this is nothing. <laughs> I know. They're, they're literally showing you fucking nothing. I mean, I was excited to hear about some of the shows that are coming up, but I really expected more out of those sneak peeks, the, the sneak peeks. And and I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one that felt completely underwhelmed with the whole thing. Super underwhelmed. Did you watch them, Janine? I did not. Yeah. Um, I only read about the um, the X Men revival one. Yeah. Because um, one of my friends told me about it, and uh, then I saw the article that was posted. I think in the Army page, and then the Pop Culture Leftovers page posted about it too. And I read the article and I'm excited because like it's the original director and a lot of the original voice actors coming back. And I loved the 90s um, X-Men show. Um, And it's called X-Men 97 because it's going to pick up right where the show ended in 1997. So that's, that's really exciting for me. Like that's kind of 
and then you know the Obi Wan Kenobi announcement, which we knew, and I didn't watch any of the trailers, so I don't know like what happened. But nothing. yeah, I'm nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the X Men one is the one I'm just most excited about. Yeah, I was not impressed by the Moon Knight clip, the She Hulk clip, or Ms. Marvel. I was just kind of like, why did they even show us that shit? So. Yeah. On the X Men a- revival, do you think they're going to use a variation of that original theme music that was so iconic? They have to. Oh, God, I hope if, right, They so. have to. <laughs> if they don't, it'll be mass revolt. I mean, I. Yeah. That's like the one. People love that theme so much. I. Honestly, I just want them to use the same fucking theme. I don't even want it to be an update. Yeah. Awesome. And I just want the I just want the same animation style too. Like I don't want to have like a Teen Titans Go situation where the original Teen Titans cartoon was so well drawn and the stories were so good, and then we went to Teen Titans Go, which feels like cheap, really cheap anime. I, I want the same animation style back. So I hope that they just stay true to the original animation style I, I look at yeah i get that I, here i hope that they do that with x-men but here's the thing with like with the teen titans go and even like the the thundercats fucking kids show i, I think that they they're just making it for new kids you know mm-hmm. i just think that they're, they're not i are they really going for like the old fan base or are they just trying to get new kids on <laughs> on board with this shit at that point what do you think? Are they just, you know what I mean? I, I think like with X-Men 97, if you're going to call it that, I think you've got to fucking hit the the fan base that was there from the beginning. But with yeah. But with like Teen Titans and like the new ThunderCats and all this shit, I just think that they were trying to get like new kids on board with this crap. 100%. No, I agree that. 100%. If they're going to call it X-Men 97, then I really hope that they are catering yes. to the original fans. I agree. Um yeah. Yeah. Uh, two weeks ago on the podcast, I reported on a rumor from at big screen links on Twitter. And I, I told everybody that I had heard on, uh, uh, from big screen leaks on Twitter that Venom will be referenced in the new Morbius trailer. What happened, Jake? Yeah. Venom was referenced in the new Morbius trailer. Boom. Yeah. As the, as the final joke stinger. Yeah. Oh, I know. You are not looking forward to I cannot wait for Morbius. Can I I want more I want more of Morbius. I don't want less BS. I want Morbius. <laughs> I, I want I want no BS. I want all I want all BS. I can't wait. I cannot I can't wait for Morbius. I can't wait for Morbius. Michelle I, is really excited about it too. Yeah, I think like you know, and I mentioned like I I hope it's going to be a, like you know it's going to deliver on the cheese like Venom. It's a different kind of cheese, I think, with this one. I think it's going to feel like '90s fucking superhero cheese. Like I don't think it's going to be like silly like antics between you know Tom Harvey Hardy and the symbiote. But I think there's going to be like a level of cheese to this movie, and I'm looking forward to Morbius. I hope it, I just hope it's fun. I just want it to be a fun movie with a with a with a sickly man becoming a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> the effects they showed in the trailer looked really good, though. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, since we're talking about Venom, uh, let me tell you another rumor 
that I have read on Reddit from who I believe is a very, very good leaker online. My time to shine. Hello. She dropped on Reddit. She says to remember this rumor when no way home is released because she's going to come back to it. She says Tom Holland's Peter Parker will get back. Well, excuse me. Tom Holland's Peter will get the <laughs> Tom Holland's Peter will get the black not his dick. <laughs> not his penis. She keeps saying Tom Holland's penis. Tom Holland's Tom Holland's penis. <laughs> She's not talking about Peter Parker's dick. Uh yeah, Tom Holland's Peter Parker will get the black symbiote suit in the MCU after No Way Home. She was then Asked a follow-up question to this by after, do you mean in a No Way Home post-credit scene? And then My Time to Shine uh, Hello said, to be clear, he won't get it in the post-credit scene, but you will get a hint that this is the direction they're going. So, My Time to Shine Hello is saying that in a future Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, he's going to get the black symbiote suit. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Not in a post credit scene, but there is going to be a tease, some sort of a tease in No Way Home that this is going to happen. We're not going to see it in a post credit scene, but it is going to happen. Tom Holland's Peter Parker is going to get the black symbiote suit sometime after No Way Home. Wow. I mean, that's such an iconic Spider-Man thing. It doesn't surprise me that they would want to, you know, redo that and revisit that. I mean, so many fans expressed, like, you know, concern even when they announced the Venom movies, not even having Spider-Man and not even having that connection. So... I could see them wanting to kind of rewrite that wrong. Was this all? This might have. Been, oh, go ahead, Joe. It sounds like Joe has say, something to say. It's really exciting to me that they're specifically saying, "Well, it's not a post-credit scene." It's. It makes it seem like okay. This, so there's going to be a whole other Spider-Man movie that's going to be Venom-centric in the black suit. So that's that is pretty exciting. Yeah. I. As far as all these leakers are concerned, let me throw this out there. There's a lot of leaks being dropped by like Daniel RPK, who I think is like, had been like a legit leaker online. Daniel RPK from RPK News. A lot of stuff that I think Daniel RPK is getting is from My Time to Shine Hello on Reddit. <laughs> I think it's, I think a lot of people that are dropping a lot of, um, uh, leaks online are just regurgitating what they're reading from My Time to Shine Hello. Yeah, that's not surprising. I mean, there's tons of regurgitation when it comes to this kind of stuff, you know? Well, I think, I think the well is kind of dried up for some of these leakers that their sources have been burned. And so, like, now that their sources have been burned, where do they turn to? They turn to Reddit and they turn to My Time to Shine Hello. And they're not wanting to say outright that they're stealing leaks, but I think they are. (laughs) So I just, 
Anyway, also, uh, let's talk about the picks that were dropped online this past week, revealing Daredevil and Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man in uh, No Way Home and uh, exactly what happened here. Uh, yeah, let me let me preface this, I, I guess. If you haven't heard about this, I sent you guys the pictures this week. Um, mm-hmm. There were pictures that dropped uh, online. They were taken offline very quickly, though. Uh, there was a picture of uh, Happy Hogan, Aunt May, Peter Parker... Uh, and, uh, Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock sitting together at a, uh, at a table. And then another picture of, uh, Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and, uh, Tom Holland, all the Spider-Man, uh, with their masks taken off standing together. And, uh, these were dropped online by John Campia. And a lot of people were saying, oh, these pictures, these pictures are fake. John Campia actually thought that they were fake too. Here's the story. Here's the, I sent you guys the pictures. First off, Joe, what did you think when you saw the pictures? Yeah, my first thought was, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but like looking at the, the pictures with the, with the, you know, the, the Spider-Man, it, my, my first thought is, wow, that does look fake. But, just the the lighting composition on them just doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like they've been dropped into a different background. Like the especially the lighting on Tom Holland, it just doesn't look right. But fuck, I want to believe. <laughs> mm. uh, Janine, what did you think? I mean, first off, I just thought of that Spider-Man meme where you got the two Spider-Men pointing at each other. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I do agree that in particular, like Toby Maguire in the front looks very photoshopped in. And um, so, yeah, I want to believe that these are real pictures, but I agree with, with Joe that the lighting seems wrong on all three people, in particular Tom Holland. Like, like there is like no shadows on him the same way that there are on Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Um so, I mean, this could just be, I don't know, it could just be fan art, too. I, I want to believe that this is real, but it doesn't It doesn't feel. The more I look at it, the faker it looks. Uh, I'm going to jump in here. I thought that both pictures that I sent you guys, I thought that they looked legit. I think <laughs> I think they both look legit. Um, Jake, what do you think? Yeah, my initial reaction was the same as... as- everyone else like oh my fucking god but i i'm also in the camp that the more and more i've looked at these pictures the more and more i think that they're phony i think they're legit i think that they are legit now i'm going to give you the story behind these pictures um and you know like if you've been listening to the podcast i 100 percent believe that we're going to see the spider-man in this movie i also believe that we're going to see charlie cox in this movie, returning as Matt Murdock. Here's the story behind these pictures. Uh, film critic and YouTuber John Campia receives emails with these images. And uh, he uh, gets a lot of them that are fake. And then months ago, he shared a clearly photoshopped picture of Toby, Andrew, and Tom. And that picture got 15,000 retweets. 
and uh it was fake anyway he was uh he uh it was a, a a few days ago he was about to sign off and he got uh four images that he claimed to be that uh, they claimed th- that these images were from the movie he looked at these images and he determined they must be fake due to the lighting he specifically says look at the crotch of toby see to see and uh he decides to watermark a couple of these pictures and then post them so he could get a ton of retweets and new followers to his show. He then walks away to go uh, eat dinner, and a few minutes later, he gets a phone call from someone he knows, apparently with knowledge of the film, who tells him, you might want to take those down because I'm pretty sure they are real. John immediately deletes the two photos and tweets, but it was already, it's already spread online. At some point that day, he gets a call from a studio rep who says, um, he says from a studio with an S in it. So Sony and they, and, and they ask him to delete the files and give up his source. John Campia refuses to give up the source, but apologizes as he thought it was fake and he does not want to spoil or ruin anything for the viewers of the movie. Let me stop here real quick. Um, I also watched uh, another video this week of uh, Grace Randolph talking about this exact situation and how this is usually treated. Um, she says that if you do get real pics like this, if you do have a source, if you do get real pics like this, don't fucking post the pictures. Grace Randolph says, mm-hmm. what, what you do is you just describe the pictures that you were sent. You describe the pictures that you were sent. Don't post them. Describe them. Tell your, tell your viewers what you received. I received these pictures. And, uh, describe these pictures because once you post them, if they do, if they are real and you get a fucking call like this from Sony or, or, or Marvel Studios and they ask you to give up your source, you've burned a source for life. Like, like John Campia, whoever his source was here is never going to reach out to him again. And if he gives up his source, they're fucked. They lose their job. So don't give up your source. Don't do that kind of shit. Anyway, he claims the studio representative specifically said, you must have thought these were fake since you put your watermark on them. You don't usually steal the Mona Lisa and leave your business card behind. (laughs) John claims that the other two picks were juicier than the two he posted. He gives a tease of the third photo saying, you will never guess it in a million years. It involves somebody with a mocap suit. John finishes up by laughing about all the scoopers out there and how they would give up anything to get those pictures, but somehow, some way, they were sent to John's email. Yeah. I I firmly believe, especially looking at like uh the uh Charlie Cox picture, I, I I am 100% sold that, that from everything that I've seen, all the leaks that I've seen, from all the leakers that I've listened, like I've listened to online and, 
and watch YouTube videos. I am 100% sold that Matt Murdock is going to show up in this movie, that fucking all the Spider-Man are going to be in this movie, Toby and Andrew. Even recently, Andrew Garfield, who has been saying, I'm not in this movie, I'm not in this movie, I'm not in this movie, recently as of this week in an interview, he just fucking basically said, we'll see. It's almost, it's almost like, it's almost like, it's like everybody fucking knows it at this point that they're going to show up in this movie. I don't think these pictures are fake. I think these pictures are real. And I think that this is going to, I think this is happening. This is a hundred percent happening. hundred percent. Yeah. I agree that it's a hundred percent happening. That part I, I completely co-signed, but yeah, I'm still not in the camp that these photos are real. I am. I mean, at least the Matt Murdock one looks a bit more realer than the other one. But, yeah, I want to believe. I would, I do. Yeah, I definitely want to believe. Part of me wants to send this Spider-Man picture to, like, Rob Forrest. Be like, all right, you're a pro. <laughs> what do you think <laughs> of this, dude? What do you think of the lighting on this? I think it's happening. I think it's happening. Yeah, it's weird. Just the way their suits look on uh, Garfield and Tobey Maguire, too. I heard like that. It almost seems. Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, it almost looks like their suits are, like, photoshopped on, even. Mm-hmm. Well, shit. Look at fucking. I don't know. Yeah, suits, suits. Hold on. I'm going to look at these pictures again. I got them on my phone. I want to look at them now. Look at Tom Holland's legs. Just look at the shade of black that's on that suit. It's it's it looks whack. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, Brian could be right in the real, and the reason we're seeing that is because these aren't like production stills from the movie. You know, that's a really really good point, Jake. This could be unfinished pictures, you know, taken from the set mm-hmm. or whatever, and and they're not going to be all cleaned up and look perfect. No, but even on-set pictures tend to have, like, those mocap suits where it's not even, like, the Spider-Man print. It's yeah. just more like the uh, the points of of contact where they where they superimpose the suit. So, this I don't know. This might just be a set pick without all the final touches. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to Brian, right? I think Charlie Cox's legs look weird, like they're not connected to his torso. I don't agree with that. I think you're just seeing like you're just seeing like there's part of the table there. I think like his legs can be do they can be doing something. I don't know. I don't. This is not a visual podcast. This is all audio. And if you want to see this picture, send me an email, Brian at popcultureleftovers.com. I'll be happy to send these pictures to you if you want to see these pictures. But uh I don't think that like if you look at those legs, I don't think that you can say to yourself like. Oh my god! There's no way that those legs are ever going to be connected to that body for Charlie. Cox. I agree. I agree. It's not a hundred percent, but it it does look wonky if you like kind of zoom in and look at it. Yeah, but it's also a weird angle because like one leg looks like it might be bent back, and then the other leg has his um his walking stick kind of resting on it. So it's uh, it's just kind of a weird angle where the legs might be bent at different angles. Hmm. Yeah. This John Campia seems like a real piece of shit, right? <laughs> why, why do you? Why, Shots fired. Why do you say Jake? Why do you? Why, why do you say John Campia is a piece of shit? 
I, I was just while we were talking, I was scrolling through his Twitter feed and like reading responses to people and everything. And just God, just some of his responses are so juvenile and, and shitty. He's like telling people like how much it costs to get a blowjob from their mom in the McDonald's bathroom and shit like that. Wow. Okay. 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 But when you call, when you call John Campia, he seems like he's a real piece of shit. You might want to include the part where he's talking about blowjobs and people's mothers. Oh, I was going to get to it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because yes, I, I would agree at that point. Like I, I don't think I've ever responded to a listener that has said anything. And there's been a quite a, Quite a few listeners that have said some shitty things to me in the past. I don't know if I've ever said that any of their mothers uh, give a, a a good or bad blowjob. I don't think I've ever. <laughs> I don't think I've. <laughs> I don't think I've ever responded with that. Yeah, and if, someone asked him how much Disney pays him, and his response was about the same amount your mom charges for blowjobs oh. in the McDonald's bathroom. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> And then I unfollowed. <laughs> you unf- were you following John Campia? I was. I don't know what's worse. The fact that you're, I don't know. Well, I, I wanted to, once the stuff came out, if, if more, if he started tweeting more pictures and stuff, I wanted it to pop up in my notifications, but uh, I'll just wait for you to send them to me rather than follow this guy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So who, who do you think could have been the, the mo-capped, actor that that he was describing in the in the picture that he didn't release i would say venom venom i would say venom that was kind of my first one also the the funny answer would be rhino but the serious answer is <laughs> it's like is paul giamatti in the mocap yeah <laughs> paul giamatti <laughs> nobody 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 wants paul giamatti back as rhino except i don't know part of me wants him paul back. giamatti probably doesn't even want that yeah paul G- <laughs> But seriously, it's probably Venom. <laughs> it's got to be Venom. It's got to be Venom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh. I read some, uh, yeah. Apparently, there are significant reshoots going on for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness that are happening right now. This news comes from THR. Uh, in what sources describe as being significant, uh, these reshoots taking place in Los Angeles, uh, additional photography and reshoots going on for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. How significant, uh, how significant insiders say that Benedict Cumberbatch and company are undertaking six weeks of shooting, if not more, working six days a week. Sam Raimi remains as Helmer, and Loki head writer Michael Waldron is still on board writing the new material. It is unclear what actors, in addition to Cumberbatch, are involved. The crew involved is familiar with the Marvel method and worked on recent uh, pickups for the upcoming Spider-Man No Way Home and additional shooting for next year's Oscar Isaac series Moon Knight. Uh, one source played down the severity of the shoot, even while in the middle of production, Marvel is scheduling you for more shooting, adding the size and complexity of Marvel movies necessitate additional photography. One insider scoffed at the size and scope. We've had bigger reshoots on other MCU movies. He said it just like that, Jake. Oh, pshaw. 
<laughs> We've had bigger reshoots on other MCU movies. Are you kidding me? Is what he said. Get the, he said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Go find headlines somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, however, other sources have their eyebrows raised at the length. They're here until the end of the year. That's like a whole other movie, said one. Got some conflicting reports there, don't we, Jake? Um, yeah, sure. Several factors. I, what the fuck? I, why am I talking so weird? That's that. I need to knock that shit off. That's dumb. Um, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> several. I'm critiquing. <laughs> Foghorn Leghorn's voice. I know. I know. I don't know what's going on with me right now. I'll do declare. We've had these reshoots. Yeah, that's one thing. I say. I say. We're doing some reshoots. Ah. Uh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Several factors appear to be driving the shoot. One insider said about two weeks are dedicated to principal photography that was held over from the initial shoot that took place in the UK due to what is described as actor availability issues. The insider played down concerns that the reshoots were related to retooling the story. Another reason for the shoot concerns catching up on production slowdowns from COVID related matters that hit the initial UK production. It was those slowdowns that reared their head when they unexpectedly affected the Marvel release schedule in October. On October 18th, Marvel and Disney announced that they were pushing back Multiverse of Madness from March 25th of 2022 to May 6th of 2022. Thor, Love and Thunder, Black Panther, and Wakanda Forever, the Marvels, and Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania hopscotched backwards into new dates as well. So basically like what's happening here is there's uh, a lot of people, insiders, sources that some are saying like these are fucking massive reshoots, six weeks of reshoots. This shit's going to be going on till the end of the fucking year. This is massive reshoots. Other people are saying, ah, this is nothing for Marvel. We do this all the time. And they say it just like that, in that voice. Back to the voices. Yeah. <laughs> this is nothing for Marvel. We always do this. Um, and they're saying, they're saying that these, <laughs> they're saying, they're saying, some people are saying these are massive reshoots and it's, it's going to change the story. That basically Kevin Feige is, Kevin Feige is not a fan of they're saying that Kevin Feige is not a fan of these leaks and he will change some of these leaks these if 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 they get leaked early enough he'll make changes and some of these people are saying that like this is not a retooling of the story these are these are just this is these are standard reshoots don't worry about it. they're not retooling the story these are not significant so what do we believe here? Are these significant reshoots? Six weeks of reshoots going on here for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Is this what's affecting the release schedule for the rest of the Marvel movies? Possibly. I wonder how much of this <laughs> is just straight up due to the how difficult it was to film this with all the COVID protocols and them just needing to go back and, and tighten it up. I. And that could possibly be a bit of what's going on here. Um, 
I don't know. Maybe they just they watched the final cut and they and they realized the importance of this movie. And, you know, they definitely have the writer involved again. So we definitely know we it seems like we're getting additional new scenes from the original shoot. So, yeah, I I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of like a bit of both. Like I. I think they definitely probably needed a little bit more work and I think they probably are tweaking it a bit. Six weeks seems significant though, doesn't it? Yeah. Six weeks is a lot. Um, I mean, I, I was happy to see that Raimi is still very much involved. So it's not like a situation like a rogue one situation where, you know, Gary Wood is just going to finish the movie now. Um, so I'm glad to know he's still involved, but yeah, I, I'm very curious. I mean, we've read some pretty serious, believable leaks about this movie, and I'm very curious as to how much that'll change. Well, some of these leaks are, are you know, like, you know, I, I showed you guys some of the products that, you know, that were leaked online. These have been taken off. Like, like there was a puzzle, uh, a thousand piece puzzle that's available. That was a bit available for pre-order through Booktopia. And it shows Dr. Strange in battle with the multiversal monster Shumagorath. Shumagorath is an ancient demon with enormous power. It has been rumored since the earliest days of the production of Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness that Shumagorath would be in pursuit of America Chavez. And that pursuit would lead him to lead him into the sacred timeline where he'd do battle with Doctor Strange. The puzzle also shows an updated look to Strange's costume, which now sports the classic blue symbol. It'll, and so, uh, and then there was also, in addition to the puzzle, there's also a coloring book in the set, and it shows a little bit of America Chavez's powers here and her creating uh, an America's star-shaped portal. So her abilities to hop through the multiverse, which is apparently a key plot point to the sequel. And from what we've reported on past episodes, uh, America Chavez is going to be very important for uh, um, Scarlet Witch to be hopping through these porthole, uh, portals as well. Um, I... Six weeks of reshoot seems a lot for me, even though they're trying, some people are trying to downplay it. Um, you know, is this Kevin Feige being reactive to some of the leaks that have come out online? Because we've heard about like the, you know, we've heard about Charles Xavier. We've heard about, um, Patrick Stewart showing back up as, uh, Professor X. We've heard, about a variant version of Baron Mordo. We've heard about, you know, um, Peggy Carter showing up as, uh, Captain Britain. Um, do you think, uh, let's say hypothetically, it is a reaction to all those leaks being out there. Do you think he's scrubbing those things from the movie? I mean, that seems harsh. It seems stupid. Like, for as much as, like, the fucking yeah. leaks are out there, though, Jake, it's like, how much of the general population have read these leaks? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, even, like, how it's such a, you know, not even a secret with the Spider-Man thing, even, like, normal people I talk to still have no idea that that's, that's happening. And that's even yeah. more out there than this. Oh, oh 100%. A hundred percent. And apparently like the new trailer is going to be dropped on November 16th. There's already an event for it in Sherman Oaks, California. 
that the new trailer is going to be, um, I sent that, I I put that on, I put that on social media today. Yeah. You sent me the poster. I I saw the poster for that. Yeah. It's it's, hard to imagine that they're having that big event and we're not seeing the other Spider-Man. It says trailer launch fan event with big surprises. Tuesday, November 16th, 5 PM doors open at 4 PM seated by 445 regal Sherman Oates. So it's, it looks like, you know, fans are going to be able to sign up to go to Sherman Oaks, this regal Sherman Oaks in California and be the first to watch this, you know, the final trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home ahead of its December release. And um, hopefully shortly after that, everyone else is going to be able to see this trailer. But, you know, from what we've read that there there has been one studio does not want to release the fact that, you know, um, Toby and Andrew are in this movie and the other studio is totally fine with releasing that information. That's kind of like what the impasse is. So, um, it'll be interesting to, I mean, this says, this says trailer launch fan event with big surprises. <laughs> that could mean, I mean, it's almost a troll job if, at that point, right? Well, that could mean, I mean, if the fans go to this trailer event, big surprises could mean that they're in store for like Tom Holland to come out there in person and introduce the trailer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, sure. That makes perfect sense. Also, it could be it could be anything. Well, big surprises could also be the fact that fucking Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in the goddamn movie. Yeah, or it could be just like That's an in between. It could be just they're going to show you the Green Goblin suit for the first time. Uh, I mean, yeah, and I mean that shit's been leaked online too. Yeah, I mean, but leaks. I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, it's really ambiguous as to what the big really surprises is. are going to be. Yeah. Very ambiguous. Maybe they'll give out balloon animals. <laughs> <laughs> big yeah. ones. Balloon animals. Balloon animals and free hot dogs for everybody. Whoa. Tom Holland's <laughs> Peter. Tom Holland's Peter. <laughs> no, we're not talking about Chris Evans. Um... <laughs> Yes, Chris Evans had a picture of his dick leak online in September of last year. Um, let's see here. I don't know. Massive reshoots. They say significant. It's not massive. They say significant reshoots. It'll be interesting. I don't know, man. I don't think that, I don't think that, uh, Kevin Feige's worried about like whatever's been leaked out right now on reddit i really don't i don't think enough people know about the leaks on reddit for kevin feige to worry about it yeah kevin feige is way too um like he's way too prepared he's way too he knows the vision that he has for the marvel movies i think jake brant brought up a good point in that this could be also um just with all the COVID stuff this could be reshoots to film I don't know, like a second part or just like a different group of scenes that they weren't able to film because then maybe there were too many people on set. Um, maybe and there just was a, also maybe to clean up some stuff. Maybe there was an early screening and, and they were like, ah, oh, this shit didn't work. Let's, let's just tighten this up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be anything bad because I think a lot of movies have reshoots, but, mm. um, some of it would be a little reactive to some of the leaks. Um, to maybe film some alternate endings 
or maybe just alternate scenes to, to plug in there. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, it's all speculation at this point. Ginny, did you, it, it seems oh, ahead, like, Joe. imagine how much six weeks worth of reshoots is going to cost. I mean, it's got to be significant cost. Yeah. So to think that they would spend that much money just because, oh, we don't like that some people on Reddit, some fringe groups on Reddit are talking about this. We don't like that. I I can't see them as a business wanting to spend that much money for that reason. And with all the COVID delays and everything that we've already seen, especially if this was, you know, a UK production going on there, I could totally see, you know, them needing to finish stuff up. And then, you know, adding in finishing up shots along with reshoots, that could totally, you know, add up to six weeks worth of work. Yeah. It just seems like the simplest explanation. The I think it's the fanciful explanation is, oh, we're on to Kevin and he's trying to trying to do something different now and pull the rug <laughs> out from under us. It's like, ah, that's a little too fantastical for me. Do you think audiences are going to fucking lose their minds when they see Patrick Stewart as P- Professor X? If that happens, <laughs> Jake... Yeah, of course audiences will lose their mind. Hopefully yeah. he doesn't have a line of dialogue right when he shows up on screen because we will not be hearing that line of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to lose their fucking shit. Uh, Janine, did you watch Eternals? I have not seen it yet, no. Joe, you saw it. I know you saw it. Yeah, yep. I really enjoyed it. It was a high taste it for me. Wow. Hmm. You love that sex scene? Big fan of that sex scene? That was the dumbest <laughs> shit, man. That movie would have been... There's a lot of little ways that movie could have been improved. Um, and that, like, 86 in that sex scene would have been one of them. Yeah. I was just curious. And, I just wanted to know what you rated it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely got thoughts on it. I'm looking forward to seeing it some more. I, I don't know if I'm willing to go and see it in the theater. Again, though, but but you saying that that final fight scene looked really awesome in 3D. It did. It, it made me want to go back and see it again. It did. Final fight scene looked really fucking good in 3D. Really fucking good in 3D. Yeah, but but now that we've got Shang Chi on on Disney Plus, it's like oh, <laughs> I'll be watching that a lot. I know. <laughs> I think I'm gonna. I think Best Buy's got the Steel Book coming out here shortly. I think I'm gonna buy the Steel Book. Um, oh, nice. I'm really excited about the IMAX enhanced versions of all the movies, including Shang-Chi. I, I can't wait to see that on my TV. Did you read this new, it came, the initial report came from Cosmic Circus. I don't know how legit Cosmic Circus is, but Comicbook.com reported this too. Black Panther Wakanda Forever will reportedly introduce major new character. The Cosmic Circus reports T'Challa's son with Nakia will be introduced in Black Panther 2. The site speculates this is a way to honor the legacy of the late Chadwick Boseman, who passed away in 2020 due to colon cancer. There have been many re- rumors and reports regarding how Marvel Studios will use Wakanda Forever to honor Bozeman while also continuing the next stage in the franchise's evolution. And they're basically saying that they're going to introduce T'Challa's son that he has with Nakia in Black Panther 2. Now think about this. Let's say Nakia 
I don't know. Like Nakia get so Nakia gets pregnant before Infinity War. Five years pass, so like now the kid is like five, and then maybe as the MCU goes on a little bit more, they could eventually introduce the kid. I, are we buying this? I'm not a hundred percent buying this. It, it seems like a cheap way to uh, move the thing forward to just, oh, here's here's his son, and he's going to be raised to be the next Black Panther. Yeah, I don't buy it. Who's our next Black Panther? I'm not sure, but I'm guessing not his son that we haven't even seen a second of screen time for yet. And if that's the case, it's not going to be this movie because, like you said, the the time just doesn't add up. We're not going to have a six-year-old Black Panther. Sure. Yeah, we're not going to have a six-year-old Black Panther. I've, I've always wanted a six-year-old Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, perfect for young Avengers. About it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've seen more than one news um, news source say that by the end of Black Panther 2, the mantle was going to be passed to Winston Duke's character, M'Baku. I've, I've read everything from M'Baku to Shuri to Okoye. Yeah, yeah same. same. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, M'Baku just seems like a... Um, I don't know. He seems like they almost like an obvious choice. I don't... Winston I was, Duke is just so... He's such a – when I think Black Panther, I think of like more of an – of a athletic, agile character. M'Baku is just like a brick wall. Mm-hmm. I just can't imagine – For sure. I can't imagine Winston Duke. Winston Duke. Yeah, I was like, yeah, he's like a brick wall. Winston Duke is like a brick wall. He's like a fucking like – like a football defensive fucking like you know what i mean like he's just huge i just i don't see him in a black panther suit i i would see a koye in a black panther suit before i would see winston duke winston duke is just a this is a big dude he he Maybe multiple people will, will helm the mantle within the movie before we finally settle on what the actual answer is I mean, maybe it's possible the Winston Duke thing is legit, but that's just like one like plot point in the movie, and it's not necessarily the permanent be all end all by the end of the movie. I would be willing to bet that Mbaku is not going to be Black Panther. Yeah, it's a pretty good bet, but I, I'm just throwing it out there and playing sure. devil's advocate that maybe it does happen for a moment in the movie before it's you know stripped from him or he passes it on or whatever. My vote is for Denai Guerrera. Um Okoye to be Black Panther. That's who I want. If, if, I mean. I'd agree with that. Out of all the characters that were in that first movie, she was the one who, like, physically, you know, fighting style, um, you know, being a, a rampant supporter of Wakanda, she's the one who earns it on every level. Yeah, she's like the fucking, you know, she's the, she's like the, the top warrior for the Dora Milaje. She's not, you know, I mean, and, and it'd be cool to see somebody not of like royalty or whatever fucking take on the mantle too. I don't know. I, I love, I love Denai Guerrero and I think, I think the Akoya character would, she, physicality, she, she fucking Michonne in the, in, 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 in 
The Walking Dead, and she's a badass in that. I'd love to see. I'd rather see her take it on than Shuri. No, I agree with that. I would love to see her take up the mantle. And you bring up the good point is that, you know, she was, she is like a supporter and a defender of Wakanda, like down to her very core, even in the first Black Panther movie. And it's like, you know, she was up against her, her lover versus like, you know, who was taking sides. And she was like for Wakanda without a, without hesitation. So yeah, a hundred percent, she could take on the the mantle of Black Panther. Winston Duke is a big motherfucking dude. I would just imagine that Shuri would He's be huge. like, she. I think Shuri would just be like, that's just too much vibranium. We don't have enough for this guy. <laughs> She's like, this guy is just too big. That's true. I just looked up his IMDb. Like he's six foot five. He's huge. Jesus Christ. He is he's fucking huge. He is a massive dude. I don't know. I don't. Um, I feel like with him also, they'd have to walk back, you know, a fairly big plot point from the first one, you know, that they went and offered him the herb. You know, he tried to take it, hmm. and and he lost the fight. And then they tried to give it to him, and he did the honorable thing. It it just feels like they kind of re- retreading some of the same ground in that. Yeah. What about mm. what? What about a variant version of uh, Killmonger? We've talked about. This I feel before. like what if closed the door on that i didn't want i didn't us finish an alternate it. version of him and he was still evil really see i didn't i did i never finished what a yeah, spoiler i agree with joe 100 percent. i it, it wouldn't have done that episode if that was the case all right i'm gonna shut the fuck up because i didn't finish what if and i probably never will so um yeah i just i just i never cared to get back to it you just gotta get through the first season dude I yeah, know. I, really I, I just got better and better, in my opinion. I don't know. I just, I just didn't really care for it. That last episode was killer, though. The last it episode was, was great. Cool. Yeah, you guys are, you guys, you guys, you guys sound like Agents of Shield supporters. <laughs> no, it's not like Agents of Shield because I liked the first episodes too. I never okay. even started it, so I don't know. <laughs> I I thought the first episode was fine, and the second episode it was nice hearing Chadwick Boseman again, but I just was never too sold on it. Um, that is all I got. That is all the news. That is everything. I ain't got no DC. I ain't got no Star Wars except for what was it? Rogue Squadrons delayed. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wonder Woman 80, 82 really got everyone pumped for that. It was not Wonder Woman 82. You're two years off. It was Wonder Woman no, 84. 84. Oh, my bad. There you go, Jank. The movie was hot Chinatown garbage. It was. It gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just gets worse. Um, Joe, what's going on in StarCast, man? Yeah, still having lots of great conversations over there. Um uh, releasing episodes every Saturday. Uh, I had some some stuff come up this week, so no new episode this week. But we'll. we'll get oh, that's back a, on the that sounds familiar to listeners of Starcast. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> Joe. I'm sorry. I had to. I had to. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you hate me right now. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Joe's, Joe's trying to laugh it off, but he fucking hates me right now. Yeah, that was the fakest sounding. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. I've gone on some pretty substantial breaks, but this one really is only a week. <laughs> <laughs> We 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 know all too well, don't we, Starcast fans? What this means, right? <laughs> see, see, see you in July of 2022, right? <laughs> Six weeks of reshoots for Starcast. <laughs> Significant reshoots, right? <laughs> like a whole new podcast. <laughs> We come back. We come back, and Winston Duke is fucking hosting the show. <laughs> we have to do it on camera then. <laughs> oh man, Janine! Yes. Thank you for joining this episode. This was fun, and I mean it, a hundred percent. Oh, see, Jake, I don't know. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> there's this there's a conversation that we had before we started recording and it's just like i just i don't know if our guests have any fun on this podcast and janine is just janine is just she are you jake is it sincere is it sincere jake i i believe janine more than i believe those spider-man photos uh, <laughs> i'm telling you man when we see when we see those when we see that exact same scene in the Spider-Man No Way Home movie, I'm going to be like, dude, told you. I've got my salt and pepper shakers ready to put on the crow. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm not eating crow, man. We're going to see that shit. We're going to see that shit. We're going to see Charlie Cox. We're going to see fucking Vincent D'Onofrio and Hawkeye. It's all happening. You guys are out of your minds if you think it's not No, I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. My only disagreement is how legit those photos are no i'm saying we're gonna see those fucking that we're gonna see that scene in that fucking movie i hope so all right that's it i don't know i'm fucking done i don't know yeah <laughs> i'm hungry and tired as well yeah oh god i know you've sound you sounded hungry and tired this whole episode jake I disagree with that. You're just being mean now. I am. I am. I'm coming for blood. You guys don't like anything that I like this week. Joe likes Red Notice. It's a fucking. It's a fucking circus. Now you're, now you're exaggerating. We all love the harder they fall, and you liked it too. Oh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I, I, oh yeah, Jake remembers the one thing. Jake remembers the one fucking thing. The one fucking thing, and you're gonna use the one fucking thing against me. Oh yeah, we all like that. Remember that, Brian? Do you remember that wonderful memory that we shared? Of liking the one thing? <laughs> everything else though, I'm the odd man out. I'm the odd man out on everything else. I mean, we all liked passing, we oh. all liked swagger. We all liked what happened to Brittany Murphy. There, there was two two things have become everything. You know, now. the big question is like, oh, <laughs> did our guests did our like did our guests have fun in this episode? Did our guests have what about guess what, Jake? I didn't have fun. How, how do you like that? How do you like them apples? I didn't have I fun. I had a shit fucking time. I couldn't stand. <laughs> I, <laughs> I couldn't stand talking to you. You drive me, you drove me crazy. I feel like that kid fucking trapped at the intersection. I'm throwing up my middle fingers. 
Where the fuck are they all coming from? Is what I've been saying that this whole time with your fucking ratings this entire fucking episode. Where the fuck are they all coming from? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Wink. Oh, you don't say. All right, guys. Just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode 404. See ya. Later. I I do declare we'll see you next week. (laughs) 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 See ya. I'm back. I noticed you didn't head over to popcultureleftovers.threadless.com to buy a shirt. So, I've named this Batman Housekeeper, and I'm going to rub my little Spermidator all over its tightly woven threads until you purchase a PCL shirt. Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> Get it? I said, come. Oh, 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 yes, very proud of yourself. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, paint it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Good